Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations and download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. (laughs) Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. You better turn your dial up. This is going to be a heater. Turn it up. Turn it up. HB's finest, both in and out of the water, former HBHS alumni, surf team captain, former pro server, industry rep, and he's a local businessman now with his good buddies, co-founded Inkwrite, t-shirt silk screening, and all your printable needs, Inkwrite. Plug. Like that plug. That'll cost you. <laughs> Go. But now he spends a lot of time giving back to the community and his nonprofit organization, Operation Open Water, which takes care of first responders and veterans through all kinds of amazing events that he does. And we'll find out more about that. But he's also one of our HB board riders coaches. And this guy just dropped an 85, 8.5 double whammy. One of the biggest factors in why we, we took home 
the West Co- West Coast Board Riders Weedy Cup. We Cup. Yes, we welcome our good friend Danny Manchild Nichols. Nichols. Oh. Nichols. Manchild. Welcome. Yeah. Coach Nichols. Coach Nichols. What an intro. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this, dude. I'm on fire. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Mr. Manchild. Well, I, I was going to ask you where you grew up, but we already know that. Yeah, pretty HB much representing. Pretty much Northside. Yeah, Tower <laughs> 2. Tower we, two. We, we have to. Yeah. Not everybody knows who yeah. Danny Nichols is. Uh, they will now after our show. Yeah. Let's see the Longboard crew on 6th Street at Wind and Sea. <laughs> Straight to Tower 2. Robert August. Yeah. Robert okay, August. before we start with Danny Nichols, let's uh, you know really talk about the West Coast Board Riders Wheat Cup and... Kind of give a a, a a recap of the day. Yeah, we're right hot off the off the press right now, man. Yeah, this it just happened last week. One day, yeah, one one day to tomorrow, last Saturday, and what a way to fucking send off and have like a big party for our good friend Casey Wee by winning the fucking Wee Cup, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it didn't look good. <laughs> it was a tough, it was a battle. I mean, teams were coming out hot. We kind of came out slow, but we clawed our way back yeah. into it. And so, so let's go over the respective teams, right? Like Santa Cruz was fucking heavy. Stacked. Peter Mel, Josh yeah. Loya. Yeah. Uh, Flea. Horn? No. no. Flea? Flea. Yeah. Rufo. Uh, Rufo. Yeah. I mean, legends of Santa Cruz. Well, yeah. You had Nat Matt Young, Young. Matt Meyer. Like, there were so, yeah. Yeah. so many guys that I respect that are on that team. Yeah. Ventura. Yeah. I mean, who Burp. was Sean Purple Hayes? Uh, yeah, who else was there? Crew. Killian? Kil- Kil- Kilgar? Kil- Killian? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to. Uh, sorry, whoever Killian is. But, one oh, they also had CC. <laughs> Who? Who? Uh, HB. Wrong team, Cease. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you, bro. But no, Sorry I about you. But then, you know, Ventura, man. I mean, they... They were heavy. They were heavy, for and sure. Encinitas. I mean... Rob Machado. Rob Machado. Yeah. Marshall. They had a lot of really good guys. Fucking A. That yeah. one dude that did... Jackson something. I forget. Oh, his. they did that. The big I bus, did that big front yeah. side area. Yeah. yeah, that was that was really good. And then Newport, Newport I mean, they had what they had Nick Leg Laser. Yeah, they had Dave Post. Dave Post. Yep, Alani. They had a lot of really good guys Dude, too. Heavy yeah. dudes. Taj uh, Miller. Miller. Yeah, and um, they had the little Grom dude. My favorite little Quaid? Grom, Quaid. Quaid. Yeah, yep. I love that kid. And then San Clemente. Well, yeah. Holy sheep shit. Yeah. <laughs> They were stacked. I wanted to, like, complain every single time I looked over there. Yeah. Because... All-star cast. All-star. They had Crosby, Colapinto. Yeah. They had the the three Gadowskises. I told them they had... uh, Yeah. They were over quota on the Gadowskises. Archie. Christian Fletcher. The great Matt Archibald. Yeah. Um, Christian Fletcher. Christian Fletcher, Dude. Chris Ward, Chris Wardo, uh, Ian, Crane. Ward. Ian Crane, Ian Crane, Cole Howe. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I mean, the big deluxe, the highest uh, rated uh, sales rep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Nate. But I mean, they, their team probably had the most relevant like surf group, you know, in yeah. the market, right? You know, yeah, like yeah. With, what name do you see? Like, well, on paper, they shouldn't have been beat. Right. On paper, they shouldn't have been beat. because yeah. they started what with a twenty or thirty point lead in the beginning. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite. I just know after like three divisions, we were down like twenty six or thirty points. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I. I just know, I surfed out there earlier in the morning before the comp started, and I kind of honed in real quick where, like, the exclamation point waves were going to be. And if you want to win this thing, you're going to have to live and die on that spot. And, you know, that was the game plan the whole day. And the first three divisions didn't quite, like, get into sync with that spot. And I don't want to exactly say where it was. I'm sure everybody kind of knows where and it is. The t- that's and the tide, of tide was a factor, you know, nah. like the higher tide, it was, it was, I, it, that was the best wave. Yeah. It was, it was the best wave that was coming in. And, you know, I got a lot of, I got some heat from some of the guys on the beach because other teams were surfing down the beach or, you know, they were kind of getting scores. And I just was really hard about like, Hey, like, if you guys want to win this, like, this is where we have to surf. Yeah. You know, these are where the best waves are going to come in, you yeah. know, and just drawing off U.S. Open experience and those south swells and where the guys that win the comp sit to get the best scores. Well, like you just look at all the best scores throughout the day from all teams. Yeah. And it was on that nine bar. out of ten of them were yeah, yeah, on the bar. And our team was pretty stacked, too. But yeah. Not we, to the... Well, I mean, like Lar was saying, the relevant names in the game right now. Yeah, well, a couple of their biggest guys were were not in the event. You know, Jay Larson <laughs> and uh, Brett, Brett Simpson. You know, yeah, like we missed a couple true. of heavy hitters. I saw I saw Simpo this morning. I'm like, hey, I'm bummed you were there, but I'm glad you weren't. <laughs> yeah, no, it, w- it it would have been it would have been awesome to have you guys in there. I mean, Huntington's Huntington's deep. I mean, don't kid. I mean, we got a lot of yeah. guys that can surf really good. But the thing is, with those board riders club contests. Anything can happen. It's not about, you know, like go out there and drop eights for every single person, every division. Like, yeah, you would like that to happen, but, you know, it's about managing the clock. It's yeah. about, you know, making sure that two of your guys on the team get nothing lower than a five, and then the other two guys on the team can average sevens or eights with one of them being a whammy. And if yeah. you look at that average heat score, you're going to be around 30 There's points. Tactician over here. Every yeah. single time. And so if you just stick to a strategy a coach. and you pick – you pick your team and you know and then you play some one through four yeah. you know yeah. and and that so on the smaller days you probably will pick uh chalky 100 <laughs> yeah. when there's like lefts that are running down the beach 
You like two to three, yeah. occasional four foot. You better believe it. There's <laughs> nobody faster on the team than landed on a twin fin flying down the line. Hey, you can't hold it against me that one bit, how many years ago I didn't make it in by the horn. Because <laughs> Jeff Deffenbaugh? Because <laughs> our boy, Mr. Competitive. Deep well, so here's the, the, the here's most the competitive, yeah, the best competitive. It happens to the best hey, of us, bro. Here's the irony of that whole situation, right? So, like, D-Ball has been our whammy surfer in the 40s for since this thing started, right? Yeah. And for obvious reason, like, he's dial a bomb. He that guy Mr. is calculated, so smart, never falls, like right? super even, smart. Even before our division started, he was just kind of like, I'm gonna drop a seven. Yeah. Like, that's it's just gonna happen, right? Yeah. And he was just so sure about it, and you and you know he is, right? Mm-hmm. But he. He handed the whammy off to me, and I was like, "He he handed the whammy." He handed off the whammy you. off, right? Like he's he's. I think everybody in our division. I think everybody on our team. Is, is it your first time in that division? Uh, no. Okay. But it's my first time whamming. Whamming. Yeah. Right. But like, what did he you, say? Like, why? Well, ask everybody on our team. You know, in the forties, who's the whammy? Hands down, everybody say D Yeah. Right. D for, for obvious reasons, and he's like, "Hey." I'm getting like to the back end of the 40s. You're just getting into the 40s, like whammy it, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right, that guy. And then the morning of, I was like, hey, do you want the whammy back? <laughs> you know, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? And he was like, yeah, dude, you got this. Like, just nice. do it. You know, we'll, we'll put you out first because there's a water and that's, start. That's a unique, like, you know, opportunity. But you know, to have it's that, a big responsibility. But it's a huge. But that's a team effort, and, yeah. and that's somebody that's like, look, you're, you've been surfing a lot. You're ripping, like you know, like you're like he said, yeah. you're the younger of the two. I've been doing this. I'll be happy probably to and continue for, doing it. For but. our listeners, when a, a whammy is, you double the score of that wave. of that one wave. Yeah. And <clears throat> so if you got a six, you, it's a, a score of twelve. If it's uh, 10, it's an 8.5, an 8.5, a 17, 17, which is what Mr. Manchild got. Yeah, stepped he, up. He he hit the lip when it was coming over and then a big old fucking gouge. Yeah, I don't and know. He and he chunked it. And he was trunking no it. No worries. Yeah. So getting a double whammy is, isn't as easy as it sounds because you have three, cha- three waves. Three waves. To but- get your best chance at a whammy. Yeah. And part of the reasons why some of the other teams lost is that some of their double whammy surfers got three ones. Yeah, you know, a, fell on it, their waves. It's or a whatever. lot. It's a lot of responsibility, and you, you know, like you, yeah. you can't really succumb to the pressure of it, even though you do. But you know, when that heat started, when they brought us out, you know, to have the first guys in the division like take that group photo, you know, it was uh, me, Chris Ward. Um, Ramachado, yeah. Flea, <clears throat> Chad Labass, and uh, Cece. That was your heat. And, yeah, and I, lo- I looked over and I went, whoa, dude, like, there's three surfers in this heat that have, like, legitimately elevated our sport. Yeah. Like, I- True. Iconic yeah. surfers. Wardo, yeah. Rob, Flea. Yeah. You know, and I looked over and I'm like, dude, like, three of my heroes are in this heat. This is rad. And then Wardo and I paddled out over by the pier and everybody yeah. else paddled out down. And right when the buzzer started, I was like, okay, I'm whammy. <laughs> like I got to be patient. I know what wave I'm looking for. Yeah. Right? And I was looking for that left. Yeah. And Wardo, like, p- caught two waves, uh, you know, around me before I even got anything going. And uh, and that started to kind of get on me a little bit. So I'm like, whoa, he's kind of getting things going. But I'm like, no, dude, I, I got to get yeah. one wave. I know what wave I'm waiting for. Yeah. We put me out first to kill time if I had to. And I wasn't even looking for it right. 
like that wasn't even on my radar it was that but there yeah. that left and then that right came in and it was just honestly it was kind of a blur i mean i know i did yeah. the turn the cut back and the cut back but i was like looking to shore yeah. it felt good though the right? huntington beach community <laughs> took over the front of our box so you couldn't even see the guys in the box and i had no direction on what to do i just saw a red flag like, i kept telling late night get the fuck out of the way bro <laughs> the red flag was waving i'm like well, what does that mean go get a 10 i know i'm no, like looking like, for diva of all yeah. people to say like hey hands up hands up yeah. and i couldn't see anything and then but you, you knew know, it was a good score but you just I, didn't I know what it, it could have been a six or it could have been an eight i couldn't tell you yeah. know i mean i had I was really focused on the left, and I kind of knew where big Did you only catch one wave? That yeah. was a one and only wave caught, that you yeah. got. He sat, he, like he said, Wardo was out there catching yeah. a couple yeah. quick ones, and he sat and I waited. think I sat for like eight minutes, yeah. nine minutes, yeah. and that right came in. And, yeah. you know, that but was you cool. took one wave, double whammy, and came in. Yeah, I mean, look, dude, like for sure wheat was there because, you know, there wasn't yeah. a whole lot of rights coming in that day. Yeah. You know, I'm regular foot. I like going right. I was looking for the left, and then yeah. that, like, against the grain right came, and it, yeah. and it had some turbulence on it, you know? But, yeah. you know, to it not even good remember the wave. over, like, two foot overhead yeah. wave, and you bottom turned, and the lip was already coming over, and you smacked it, and then made it. We're like, whoa! And then you did a, you it, know, fucking yeah. huge... I did a Larson, big Larson carve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, a Nichols carve, bro. Oh, dude, that thing's like from. <laughs> hey, it's not a kid, dude. That thing came from Lar. Growing yeah. up and seeing Lar lay down those big old hacks. I, I see the lads right against the grain, <laughs> bro. This, this show's not about late night. Like, yeah. This show's about man child. <laughs> Whose name comes first? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, hey, no. We want to hear about. Yeah, that was. So here's the really. This is something that's really cool, and we kind of got to talk about it, but we didn't really get to talk about it. So if you think about the rivalry between, you know, there was a bunch of different rivalries happening, right? Like the apparent, there's a couple apparent ones. You had Newport and Huntington for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. Since, yeah. since the birth of time, Huntington and Newport have yeah, rivaled, sister, right? Yeah, side by side. So too. San Clemente and Huntington, you know, if you think about all the national titles in high school yeah. from when you were a Grom all the way through, like that oh, was a sure. crazy Orange County surf rivalry. And then with Santa Cruz, you know, there's the rivalry of, you know, Surf City, yeah. you know, right? And like we can put that whole thing aside for a minute, but, you know, we've surfed contests up there yeah. for years, right? And, and, you know, we have friends up there, but, you know, feeling part of the community up there, it's just, it's a, they're a little bit more reserved and if you're in with them you're in with them but Huntington guys coming up you know yeah. like you kind of had some friends but you weren't really paddling out at all the spots yeah. and being totally welcomed yeah you gotta earn your respect but you also gotta you know you gotta show up and blow up and that's gonna help you know yeah but you gotta be you gotta, you gotta know your place and they're 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 well raw up there so you know? Ru- Rufo and I <laughs> Rufo and I volunteered for um an organization, an organization that taught surfing to wounded veterans, and we had an event up there in Santa Cruz. And when they first started Sport of Kings, uh, Wheat and Zig made um, the, these shirts, and one of the shirts was like this blue color with like a yellow logo, and it was like the Golden State Warriors colors. And I was heading up there, and I was like, Wheat, hook me up with some shirts, dude. I'm gonna get Rufo on the program. Yeah. Talk to him about board riders. We were just starting to get HP board riders going. Like it wasn't even really a thing, but it was like, yeah, you know, the talk was happening. And and I was like, dude, Rufo will be all over this, you know? And so we went up there and I kind of gave him the spiel, gave him some some clothes and 
you know, like two weeks later, man, like they had a little crew up there that was talking about like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? You know, and they started organizing. Yeah. And Santa Cruz was actually the first one to really organize, to yeah, organize the community and get a board writers club, yeah. you know, I mean, they had membership, like they they were I kind mean, of like the, they were kind of the benchmark of like, wow, we got to kind of get our stuff together. But it was yeah. just really cool to see yeah. that. And then talking to Rufo after the contest, you know, he was like recapping with me and he was like, dude, how, how am I going to get Flea to get on this? Like, how, is Flea going to come down there? You know, how am I going to get the boys to do this? And then sure enough, everyone was just like, yeah, yeah. this is yeah. insane. You know, they Let's, really bought into the mentoring of the older guys to the younger guys yeah. and really grooming the community inside and out. And well, I think our generation cool. was probably one of the last that had that that gap between the elders and the, and the young, meaning like we didn't really were embraced, you know, like we were treated like Grom's forever yeah. you know yeah. yeah where i think our generation kind of saw the value of like we need to take care of that next generation you know so there was definitely you know that kind of tough love growing up on our you know that older crew yeah. but rufo is such a, a perfect example of a ringleader and and leader up there you know yeah. like he's he starts every day Dude. he's part of the the, the nucleus because hey. a lot of those guys are traveling to being pros and yeah yeah Ruf- so was the man all those guys man yeah. and, and you know i've been fortunate over the last you know, seven, eight years to spend time up there. Yeah. And, you know, going up there now to surf, it's like I can paddle out at those spots with those guys out there and it's like brothers. Yeah. You know, like it's like the Board Riders Club has really like bridged United. that gap and, yeah. and brought us all together. And Well, it's about a team and unity and community and not individual, you know, like when we we're cutthroat and trying to make a heat and, you yeah. know, trying to survive and do the, it's, yeah. It's well, awesome it, because it is a brotherhood and community but the rivalry and competitive oh. mindset of everybody yeah. makes it super fucking fun. Well, right? like going into right. the last heat, you know, we were a quarter of a point ahead of San Clemente. <laughs> and San Santa Cruz, Cruz was, was on a surge. They were, on, they were 12 and a half points behind us, right? Yeah. And, Nate, you know, like nobody, nobody in a million years would have thought that San Clemente's 20s would have failed, performed performed the way they did you know and i mean i don't know i mean it just is all kind of weird how it happens but yeah. you know santa cruz came on really strong right when their four surfer went out and dropped a six and to tie us yeah. you know jake signs our last guy had to go out and he had to secure a four which would have turned that guy's six, six into a ten right yeah. and that, that's really hard and you know for jake to get the four you know it was just all it was all kind of special and surreal to yeah. It's not the the first and last event that's going to come down to like one or you know no. one wave or one person. No. I mean, it seems like it's yeah, it's a it's a marathon event. You yeah. know, like you got seven divisions and it just like everyone's score you, you matters. See, yeah, what's a trip? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it really does. And it's like, how do you how do you mitigate the big mistakes? Yeah, because everybody's going to make mistakes. I mean, we had quite a few guys that dropped a three. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that one heat where there was three different teams or four different teams that that um, didn't come in. Didn't come in. Diva. Yeah. Yeah. That was the forties. <laughs> that was the forties. We had a thirty-five in yeah. that heat, and Diva seven got turned to a two, and we ended up getting a thirty. But we, I think, we still won or just came in second. Yeah. I think we actually still won that. But yeah. that's heat, what makes but. the the whole the format fun. Yeah. And and like you know fun to fun to watch and root for a lot of moving parts well you'll 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 hear the pros today say that's more pressure than a you know 
than a big contest. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got yeah. you got three waves, but you really don't because you're focused on your first wave being the wave. You know, it it you got a, a team that's relying on you. You know, so you feel different pressure in a normal contest. You got 25 to 35 yeah. minutes, and you yeah. can float less, all around. Less time, less waves. Yeah. More intense. Because honestly, yeah. like you know, if you're that person that's surfing a double whammy, right? Mm-hmm. It, if you score a, a seven and above and you feel like you score a seven and above and your team tells you to whammy a seven, then cool, right? You get out of the water. Yeah. But, you know, so, there's some people that are like, ah, you know. There's nines out here because the waves are I, good. I can get a nine. I can get, you know, I can get yeah. better than this, you know. But that's the seven. team. Yeah, that's why the coaches and, you know. Well, and we, and we but did that's that. the thing that I'm saying yeah. is an extra factor of like, whoa, stress. you know, stress and anticipation. We, we did that with Dylan in the uh, U14, you know, he, he paddled out and caught a wave like the first two minutes and it, it was a six. You know, I knew it was a six, but he caught it so early. I was like, I'm not going to whammy that. I know he can surf better and he looks good on his board. And so yeah. I want him to go back out. And, you know, he didn't get that chance until we were starting to kind of call him in. And then he got a, he got a left and fell. fell. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so that was a good example of how it works the other way yeah. around. Yeah. Well, in the end... We were victorious. Board riders blew up yeah. and won the contest yeah. and won the week cup. Yeah, and kept the cup home. It was a special, three years in a row. A special weekend. I don't know if it's three years in a row. I think Saint Clemente might have won it in between. I think this is back to back, but I think yeah. there was a gap. Everyone kept know. saying I think three. We we won it three times. Okay. I, we won the first one, which you know it does count, but it wasn't as organized as it is now. Yeah, yeah. And then I think Saint Clemente won. Back check. Fact check, yeah. yeah. But anyways, it's because of, you know, COVID, we didn't run it last year, and, and now it seems like eons ago, you know? Yeah. Like, but, dude, hey, good job to thanks. the coaches. Good job to, you know, Simpo. Uh, yeah, Simpo and Gilmet. Gilmet. Really the drivers behind the scenes. Oh, my because, gosh. And, and PD and some of the other guys, because I kind of came in, like, the week of the event, you know, yeah. and just said, hey, like, I'm – I'd like, you know, yeah. Yeah. coach. I've, I've coached the other ones that we won. I'd, you know, I'm, I'm, I got capacity. I'd love to do it. You know, but really, Gilmet and Simpo were the driving force to put the team together. Yeah. A big thank you to everyone that kind of helped put it all together. Brillo Productions. Yeah, yeah. Brillo. Uh, Ryan Don, Simmons. Don Meek. Don Meek. Yeah. Simmons. Ryan Simmons. Chad Wells. They did an excellent, excellent job. job. Brother, entertaining, awesome. yeah. high energy. Those, and those just, two guys should be. If you ever act out of line, I know who to get. Yeah. Commentators, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, can get, like, they can get like sour. They can get the banter going. They They're just, awesome. You know. Well, they just have a connection with all the, the athletes yeah. and they, they, they could. Well, you know, Ryan Simmons, when he was growing up, he would put the golf channel on yeah he'd turn the volume all the way down and then he'd sit there and commentate yeah. every single hole every single shot and that's how he tra- trained himself to become the commentator he's i did not he's know born, that he was born for this this is this is danny nichols taking off on the right off the pier holy fuck <laughs> this is Ryan billy Smith. webb chris marino yeah, yeah. So ziggy, many, so ziggy many. williams yeah, ziggy dude. andy 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 williams, williams. and dude yeah, and Sport all the sponsors. Kings. Yeah, Sport of Kings and Bonsai, Bonsai Bulls. Bonsai uh, Caliente. Caliente, Southwest K- Grill. Yeah. Casey Wheat. And Casey Wheat. Sunbum and uh, Service People's Sport. Champ. Yeah. That Thank you a, to all those people. That was a big weekend. All right. Now that we've uh, 
recap, recap, bast in the glow of Victor. Yeah, victory. Uh, let's, let's talk about how you got to this point in your life. Yeah, let's unpack it. <laughs> wow. Born and bred Huntington Beach. Kinda, almost. Um, my mom, aunts and uncles, they all grew up here. And, you know, went to Harborview and Marina, and then, you know, my mom had me in Palm Springs. And then I lived up in Lake Gregory for a few years. And then she reconnected with all of her surf buddies. And we moved back here when I was in going into fourth grade. Okay. So. Not till the fourth grade. Not till the fourth grade. And straight to the beach. Yes, straight to the beach longboarding. Oh. I was uh, Tower 26, Bols Chica. And uh, the funny thing is, like, going through fourth, fifth, and sixth grade... While I was longboarding, I was also friends with Mark Belmonte, and uh, Brady Shemke was older than us, but was part of that crew. And you know, I'd bounce back and forth from longboarding to boogie boarding. And Mark and I would go down to the beach, and he'd have a shortboard, and I'd have a boogie board, and we'd be posted up at Jack in the Box. And uh, Brady had this like Robert August Mango surfboard, and I remember him letting me ride it. It was, it was, I mean, to be friends with Brady now yeah. and Mark but, and have all those years passed, it's just funny how it all kind of started, but the Harcharix. So we're talking Bolsa Chica. Bolsa Chica, the Harcharix. So it's Tower 26, Zach not Moran. 33? Uh, I don't know if the, the towers might be the same because Tower 27 is the last one and the 26, 25. And so like all those marina, like yeah. uh, Justin Harcharic was still at Harborview. Uh, I think Jason was still at Marina. But all those guys, Alper, all those guys were all like Tower 25, like, you know, the so guys. So you were on the north side of Huntington. Yeah. Because okay. all the longboard guys surfed down there. All my mom's friends surfed down there, too. So I, like, was kind of bouncing back and forth between longboard. Gotta get to the beach. It's where the ride's going. Yeah. It's where I'm surfing. No, you kidding me? We had to walk and ride our bike. <laughs> oh, don't get don't get linen started on that. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's how, but honestly, no. that's how it was. You I know, mean, we, that's, yeah. We lived over by uh, Taco Bell right there off of Bulls Chica and Heil. Yeah. And, yeah, I just rode my bike every single day down there. Nice. Nice. Yep. What was your first like board? It was a long board, obviously. Yeah, you said you my first to... like my first real board. Just like what you learned on like, was on... Uh, a four foot ten Mike Minchington. Nice. And I still have it. That what? that board ended up out in the high desert at um, Forest and Mike's compound, and they found it and brought it back. So now it's at my work. Wow. So wait, one of my containers. A four ten long board? No, it was a four ten short board. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was my first board. And then after that... Who, um, who got into surfing? Your, your mom's friends? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My mom's friends did. And then after that, I would, I'd ride my bike. I think it was in like seventh grade. I'd ride my bike after school over to Robert August Shaping Bay. And so did I'd you... clean... I'd basically like clean all the shaping bays. I'd break down all the foam. I'd get all the thin stuff out of there. And, and when it was on Fifth Street? No. When um, Spanners off of Slater and Gothard. No. Yeah, okay. And then at the end of the day, I'd write down my hours... And then after a certain amount of hours, Rob, yeah, Robert shaped me board. So it's a way to work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll hold on to that forever because Money, money's good, you know? but to get a, a custom shape, like how many yeah. hours I have to put in? Okay, I'm working overtime. Yeah, but so more you, importantly, to like to kind of grow up in that shaping bay with Robert and those guys, and you know that was set a good foundation. Yeah, you know what I mean. And how did you connect with uh, RA? Uh, just part of the longboard crew circle. 
You know, I mean, remember when Wind and Sea was down there on 6th Street? Yeah. I, that was like my home in the summertime. I'd just post up on that side yard Yeah. where all the riffraff hung out. It was like Sano, but like one block in front of his surf shop. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you're looking yeah. around, you're like, all right. People sleeping in there. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so talk about... Wimpy's was next door. Talk about that step of like being Rob and Bolsa, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. you, you so start making that way towards Yeah, the well, no. So the reason, the, what... What got me to the pier was yeah, my eighth grade year, um, you know, I was going to Marine View and I had the choice to go to Marina or to go to Huntington. And um, my mom, aunts, and uncles all had their challenges at Marina. And my grandma was like, No way in hell, dude, you are not going to Marina. I'm moving downtown. You're going to Huntington. <laughs> so she moved right off God of, bless her she huh? moved right off of Lake Street in Orange it's way better <laughs> no but the, it gets better right and so I show up the first day of surf class and I'm a longboarder right and oh, we're talking high school now now we're talking high school okay. right because she in the summer in the summer of yeah. you know my freshman year she moved she moved downtown and you were primarily a longboarder at this point like that's all I did yeah like, all, I, all I did yeah all through elementary junior high yeah yeah. All the way to high school. I had a shortboard in fourth grade, but then after that, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, it was all longboard. I did all the longboard club contests you know, so, up, and, up so, and down the coast. So who, like, not told you or forced you, but who, why Why did you stick to longboarding? Because uh, I, I loved it. I mean, that's what I, that's what I did. You know, I mean, I'd go do the contest in Malibu, go up to Santa Cruz and compete against Santa Cruz Longboard Union. Down in San Diego, Wind and Sea, Huntington Beach Longboard Crew had a pretty strong presence back in like the early nineties. Yeah. You know, and so that was just kind of my deal and surfing. Who was your heroes like looking around here or whatever? So Josh Moore. Josh and I were really close. You know, he was a couple years older, but he was crushing on the I mean Joey Hawkins was a world champ. Joey Hawkins, Joel Tudor. Yeah. Um Devin Howard, like those guys were all the guys that were just in front of me. And then you had um, Zach Howard of Malibu. Did you, you have a good crew? But didn't your friends like Belmonte or anybody say, dude, why are you longboarding? <laughs> no, because they kind of still picked on me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> dude, I would, I would come in from the beach. Shortboarding is where it's at. Yeah, but I would come right? in from I the mean, beach and I would have like mustard and ketchup all in my shoes <laughs> from Jack in the Box. I just put it all in there. <laughs> Was, I remember ruthless. you longboarding and you started coming to the pier and you're yeah. like eighth grade and I remember Verdone was like, We need to get this kid off a short a longboard oh, and do a short I'll tell board. you that story. Like yeah. It's, it's do you want to talk about childhood trauma? Yeah. Because you know what I'm saying? Because like this guy obviously shortboarders is talented. are way cooler yeah. well, than so longboarders. Here, so here's the deal. That's my, the way we thought my, back then. My first day of high school, I, I walked down to the beach. You know, from Lake and Orange, where, yeah. and I walked down, and Andy's on South Side, and it was like Wyatt Simmons, Jimmy Zimmerman, um, bunch of Billy Oswald, like the team, right? <laughs> yeah. And they were all standing there, you know, like kissing Verdone's ass, like everybody on the team does. And I walk up. I never did. Yeah, right. I walk up, and Andy like looked at me, and he's like. Set that thing down, son. <laughs> so I like, I never met him before either. So I set the board down. He looks at it up and down. Where's the sail go? <laughs> Don't come back until you got a short board. And all the surf team kids were like laughing. And I was like, 
Traumatized. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to go surf Northside because that's where I surf. And so, like, my freshman and sophomore year, it was just a battle of getting burned by the guys on the team and burning them back and riding a longboard. And And you were already pretty stocky back then. Yeah, I was probably built like this. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Kids man child. (laughs) Honestly, I was probably like 180 and 5'10". So you you had no problems with... Wait. No, but I, I was comfortable because the longboard crew, win and see, yeah, yeah. like there's enough, enough and, diversity and, there to and, like. Yeah, you're not my, my freshman you. year. You know, I I was you know under the wings of like Chris Scarf and Joey Hawkins and a lot of those guys. So yeah. it's like I I was I was part of the fabric. Yeah, right? part um, of the longboard crew. Yeah, but yeah. part of HB Fabric. I was yeah. sponsored by Hurricanes. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not, yeah. I'm not kidding you. I was sponsored by Hurricanes. <laughs> So I would go over there and eat lunch. I'd sit down with Lauren, the bouncer, and just eat lunch, nachos and a Coca-Cola and so, the whole deal. So, so was, going back to that traumatic. Well, it was a bummer because, you know, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Not, not, not in high school. I mean, I had like a couple friends that went over there. But as far as like plugging into like the high school surf scene, like, yeah. you know, I was just becoming friends. It's clicky for yeah, sure. I was just becoming friends with Matt Shabble and... Um, you know, Nathan Fowler and a couple of, uh, Mike Demolsky, Dan Demolsky's older brother. And, um, you know, it was, it was weird, but he kept telling me like, Hey, you got to get a shortboard. You got to get a shortboard. I'm like, I'm wearing a, a two year old victory wetsuit that has, um, dental floss sewing all over it with shoe goo on it. I can't afford a wetsuit. The longboard that I'm riding has been broken three times, and I've tried to fix it myself. Like no. I, I don't have, so the, you weren't even sponsored yet. No, I don't. Well, I was, I, I mean, I was, wasn't getting boards from RA anymore. That was kind of like, you know, a work and get a board, work yeah. and get a board. And, and I, was already, you I was already in high school. Yeah, you wouldn't have that time. You were like, no. You're what, doing like Sugar sugar Shack and like HSS? Were you working at HSS yet? No, no. I was, I was, at that point, I was bouncing in and out of my grandma's house, uh, my friend Nate's house, and uh, whatever wherever my mom was staying at the time yeah um so it wasn't a very structured environment and you know andy and it's funny because i just talked to andy about this the other day and he's like i'll never forget it like i went to pick you up take you to a surf contest and i pull up to this garage and you're like living in this garage you know and he was like yeah what the fuck is going on here you know yeah um but anyways he talked jimmy zimmerman into selling my grandma a board for like a hundred bucks and I don't remember if that was my sophomore year or my junior year but I jumped on the board made the team of course like right off the bat was it a okay. Koi Dog? Uh, it was an A39 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 Larry and I used to yeah. ride those good yeah a Sakumarata it was cool but it, you know it was like you know I don't know really really insecure times just you know i don't anyway it was, it was a weird time yeah well, i have the, the family life structure bouncing around and you didn't have money to like some of the other families yeah. that were helped my whether you're a sponsor or not you had my verdone like saw that you and andy were andy was like a a proper male figure in my life at that time and and it was a love-hate relationship because <laughs> i did a lot of really bonehead things and it was like grab me by the ear, you know, try to yeah. straighten me out type of stuff. Yeah. And then I'm sure there was times where he just threw his hands up and was like, I can't fucking help this kid. Yeah. You know. But thank God that he was in your life. Oh yeah. You thank know, because that little, but that, that little thing. Because his, his, I mean, obviously, 
he has good intentions and he obviously wants to help kids and it's not just him like oh i want to win a contest of course that's the underlining like part of it part of it but he's genuinely like looking out and yeah i mean to this day i was down there at surf class earlier this this year and a couple of kids didn't have boards you know showing up at soft top he's all this kid's got talent i bought him a a lawnmower you know i gave his kid like a and exactly. he's really good about you know nurturing and, and getting yeah. people you know he's help. got a soft spot he does yeah. he, he's a soft oh, yeah depending <laughs> on when and where and what so so uh, you you um, started competing for the high school Beach high school yeah yeah I, I didn't start doing NSSAs until my junior year I was still doing longboard contests before that um, and were you winning these longboard contests yeah I was winning some and making yeah. some finals and um, I mean. I was following the footsteps of Josh Moore and Tudor and all those guys. Yeah. Not saying I would have ever been as good as them, but that was like, those were the guys that were a little older than me and the guys that I was kind of following. And, yeah. You know, the did, crew did that Did you was, eventually get sponsored by... I got... I was sponsored by... For longboarding, I was sponsored by Hurricanes. Huntington <laughs> <laughs> Beach Board Riders Club. Or no, sorry, the HB Longboard Crew. Um... And then, uh, yeah, Mike Minchington. And what, yeah. what was like so the... Minchington tra- surfboards. Mm-hmm. Nice. What was the like, transition going from a longboard to shortboard? You know, was it just 100% commitment or you're like, hey, I'm going to 50-50 depending on the conditions? Or No, I, I, I actually got off the longboard like that. Like right away. Right away, you know, because I started to compete in the high school contest yeah. and I was having a lot of fun doing it. And, yeah. I was, you know, I was, re- I was hanging out with the Turners. Yeah. You know, like we had a we had a really cool crew. You know, Jesse Evans, Tipton, Turner's, uh, Micah Byrne, really good crew coming up. Just a, a good solid crew. Um, you know, but I had this like really narrow stance yeah. on a shortboard from riding a longboard for so long, and that was a really hard transition to learn how to kind of like widen the stance a little bit and actually ride a shortboard. Yeah. Um, but our senior year in high school, Andy picked me to co-captain with Matt Shabble and that was a fun rivalry because yeah. we loved each other but we hated each other huh. in the water yeah. one I think Matt was a little bummed he had to share the captain with me because I think he was poised to be the captain the whole time <laughs> <laughs> Nichols stole some of the limelight <laughs> but Matt was like the buttoned so now it all up makes sense Matt Shaddy Shaddy was like the buttoned up like Surfer, you know, yeah. squared away, surf contest. He was kind of a little D-bi-esque, knowing yeah. how to get scores. And I was just like raw and raw. It was, you know, <laughs> I just, it was just talent. I didn't have any structure yeah. in what I was doing out there. And But you, um, you obviously progressed pretty quick. Well, yeah, because you, you already know, had the fundamentals on the longboard. You knew the walk. I mean, that's the thing is, you know. You I knew how to put the board on rail. Yeah. From riding longboard. For, for sure. Yeah. That's, Fundamentals. That's, yeah. yeah. That's the foundation for sure. And then my senior year, I got, I started working for Huntington Surf and Sport and Lyndon got me on Rusty. Whoa. Wait, wait. Chalky. Lyndon. Yeah. Chalky. Chalky over here. Sorry, Chalky. I had to got sell. You I got, I got, I got hired and they put me in the safari room, which was the old surfboard room. I think it took my job, bro. Probably. <laughs> While they were building out the, the longboards. Right, yeah, in Java Point, and like that was that was really good times. That was really really fun because there was a lot of Japanese coming in and Lyndon, who sold more boards though? I did. <laughs> I sold more boards. Come on, I got promoted to like the surfboard buyer. Yeah, come on, bro. Yeah, but it wasn't fair because the, the, the story. Guy, the show they, they is would, not about late night. 
It's they, about man shot. They would come in and they would just ask for Lyndon. Yeah. And then next thing you know, the boardroom's empty. <laughs> it's freaking empty. And I'd come in and there'd be tape across the whole top section, right? And there's like a hundred boards up there. Yeah. And they're already sold. Then there's a little note. Don't touch. Start packing them. Yeah. yeah. Pickles, please pack these boards. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, head up to Pickwick. Oh, you're going to need 18 boxes. Make sure you get four rolls of bubble wrap, tape. Yeah. yeah no, that, was a, that was a... My senior year in high school was, was a really good year. I mean, it was... I was living on my own. You know, so Rusty a, was your second sponsor. Mitch yeah, and then Rusty. I rode... I rode um, Gosh, I can't even remember the timeline, but I rode Barry Vandermeulen's boards. And I think Barry, I think Andy got me a Barry Vandermeulen when I was in high school. And then I had the bout with Rusty. And then when I went to Billabong, I went back to Barry Vandermeulen. Mm. So uh, that was right out of, kind of like a year out of high school. Yeah. So the Rusty thing, you, did you, you rode for him for shortboards and yeah. clothing? And yeah. I was like Ryan Turner was like properly sponsored by Rusty like he was the guy and I was sponsored by Rusty because I worked at HSS so I was kind of like a shop guy yeah um, it's a start yeah yeah well yeah and Ryan had a lot of accolades and he was like yeah. the next up and comer and then there's me I just kind of came onto the scene but that the Huntington Surf and Sport anchor like really like yeah. helped me out a lot and we don't we don't talk about that we talk about working in the surf shop and eventually getting a job in industry because you, you, you learn all the yeah. reps and the, and the and managers that come in but it does have a lot of weight when you're looking for a sponsor and you're with a good shop to, to be able to like get that flow status which could turn into pay down the line well, and yeah that I mean, entry. A, good, a good example when I wrote for Billabong yeah. and contract season came up I'd go pull sales reports yeah. and say look I work on the floor look at your sales reports like I know, this I, know, I know Andy. Hey, I know Andy and Taj and those guys are like selling product, <laughs> but I can I can actually show you on paper that I'm like legitimately selling your product. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're like, I will, we'll keep you want your, we'll keep you your numbers to go yeah. down or go up? <laughs> Somebody must have told you to do that. <laughs> Chalky. <laughs> it's not about Chalky. Uh, but man, that no, like, but that's. I mean, it, we all talk about how those early years working in the surf shop. I mean, we're so instrumental in like learning life lesson skills, but yeah. getting your networking, you know, everybody's yeah. like, how did you get that job? Or how did you do this? And it's like, well, well at, HSS, as soon as I could get a job, we were all like frothing to go work at a surf shop. Yeah. Yeah. HSS was like the Harvard, right? Yeah. Because you go there, you learn like how retail works. It's a, obviously it's a really busy store. It's really buttoned up. You know, all the reps that are coming in, all the managers that are coming in, all the executives that are coming in, like it's a it's a high profile shop. And if you're doing really well, like your customer service is up, your folding game is on point. <laughs> With no boards, yeah. by the way. You got time to lean, you got time to clean. Right? <laughs> that was the motto. That was the motto. Straight up. Ben Will, dude. Oh my God, I used to get in trouble from Ben Will all the time, dude. He'd be like, bro, you got time to lean, you got time to clean, dude. Go fold some shirts. Dana Burley taught me how to air fold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like no fold. Flipped. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Well, I tell my kids that all the time. Like, you know how to air fold? Yeah. Here totally we bored. We love you, Dana. Yeah, Dana Burley. <laughs> it's funny, though. Like, uh, you know. Serious, dude. A lot the of guys surf shop had influence. is a place to get your first taste of work, of the working field. Yeah. Right? But 
you know, when you're when you're working there, and not you t- kind of take it for granted because you're, you're having fun. Oh, you're, oh, look, you're you looking know? for chicks. You're, you're just hanging chicks. out with your friends. You're watching, Dude, watching you're your you're pros come in and out. <laughs> the, prime, like, the prime of my time at HSS. I worked with George Lambert and Corky Carroll. <laughs> wow. It was right in the middle of those two guys. That's insane. Yeah. And How could you Corky not Carroll, be a, Corky a Carroll networker with, without I me? Mean, Corky with Carroll two. just beat me up one day. I bet. <laughs> I just was pick. I, I just, I had no boundaries, man. I was just poking fun at him and picking on him. And I think he was having a bad day. See, Lyndon, you could do that when you're that stature over here. You know, <laughs> you could kind of talk. He just, talk cor- he, just cor- he just cornered me behind the register and was like, Dude, you need to freaking cool it. <laughs> like, and he was seeing red. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And I think the next day I wrote a poem about him. <laughs> I got to find it. George Lambert tells me every once in a while, hey, I still got that poem you wrote of Corky. We oh got to read it on the air. That's so good. But it was, it was awesome. I mean, the how, how long did you work at us. HSS for? Um, probably almost eight years. Wow. Off and on. Yeah. So my surfing career was probably only like, Seven years, I think it was like that's pretty eight, good. Eighteen to twenty-four, whatever. So, so, but when I was transitioning out of surfing, I was transitioning into repping with Billabong, Ron Gould up in LA. But I was still on the clock with HSS, and I remember one time I was in um, Florida for Surf Expo, and I, I wrote for Surf Prescriptions too for a while. Yeah, Doc and Amber were really good to me. Yeah, yeah. And I was there. I was there with them, and Lee Gatlin called me. She's like, "Hey, where are you?" I'm like, "I'm in Florida at Surf Expo." She's like, "You're on the clock, bro. Like, you were supposed to be here today." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And she's like, "You need to get your fucking shit together." Okay, if you want to work here, you need to get your shit together. If you don't want to work here, you need to tell us. Wow. And I was like. That's, just shows you where my 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 capacity was at that point my mental yeah. capacity like I was just yeah. a butterfly you know then I got hammered and forgot all about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know so so but you're working at Servant Sport you pick up Rusty you're obviously a shop writer and everything too yeah. you know HSS writer yeah. other sponsors and you know yeah sport. Sugar Shack yeah Rusty thank you Michelle Turner for feeding yeah, us our entire Mama Michelle yeah uh, and HSS, those were like the three. And I mean, we always talk about how iconic servant sport is, and especially when the U.S. Open, we we do our signings yeah. for the uh, you know yeah. Chalky over here would be the MC for yeah. all the events. Yeah, um, he'd be introducing you to sign. Yeah, <laughs> but we had a we had an awesome like all time you know lineup you know oh, yeah. for for a shop team you yeah. know like dude straight up and then real quick back to Michelle Turner. Oh yeah. That woman is a saint. She is one of our great pillars in like the community. Yeah, I mean, and you got to put her up at the top of one of like the people that have no. re- really taken care of us. Because I don't, I can't tell you how many kids she's fed over the years. Oh gosh, how many people she's probably Thousands. helped rehab and like get their act together. Yeah, you know how many um, people move here that need to get their start, and they, you know, they start yeah. working there, yeah. like Michelle's. HSS and Sugar Shack are like the I mean, two, they're, two pillars I, for me. I mean, they're pillars to the community, for the city, for as business owners, and the yeah. surf community is huge, yeah. and, you know, for the generations that they yeah. have. I think know, they're going on like the fourth generation 64. running that place yeah. now. Ryan and Timmy's kids are starting to really put some time in there. And that's amazing. It's crazy. It's so it. awesome. 
So back to Manchild. Um, what and I don't know where that name came from. I don't know who Ryan does Seiko. Seiko. Seiko yeah. named you that. He yeah. named me that. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. I need to have to fact. We'd have to reach out to him, but I'm. I'm pretty. Pretty I, sure. It yeah. Was, it makes sense. Seiko. Uh, yeah, because I wrote his boards for a little bit, too. Yeah, you did. Right. You wrote Seiko's yeah. for a while, too? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a... Four? Sharp Eye. <laughs> yeah. Sharp Eye, too? Yeah. Wow. Right, right when Marcio was getting it going. Dude, that's the benefit of being a surfboard guy in the boardroom at yeah. HSS. Yeah. Want this guy to, you know, push a couple more boards out the door. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I did the same we thing. We taught you well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be in there and, like... Well. Polishing up the boards, yeah. taking the fingerprints off, and be like, yeah. put it under your arm. I'm like, oh, this one feels good. Yeah, I might take this one. Yeah, I, I can't. I pushed so many boards when I was riding for Rusty. That was all I was pushing. So, do you remember your first mag ad or first mag photo of editorial of contests? High school was it service sport ad? Was it a Rusty or built? You know? Oh, you know what? Um, Rusty might have been my first ad. I know there's a, it's hanging up in Sugar Shack. It was a two-page spread, and Ryan is just the, the epitome of our career. Ryan's on one side of it, pulling into a big barrel at Porto, and I'm on the other side, doing an air on our side. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I still look at that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that sums it up. Yeah. You know, like Ryan, like, charges and rides a barrel, and I'll, I can be photogenic and do that air on Northside. Yeah. Whether it's Northside Manhattan or Northside Huntington. Yeah. So, did you do good in the amateur contest? No. I mean, my, my, no, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I won some NSSAs. Yeah, I, yeah. I won some NSSAs, but I didn't, like, win any titles or do anything like that. It, it was the... Okay, Pro Junior, you yeah, did pretty think, good though. I think it was like eighty or ninety, like ninety eight or ninety nine. I can't remember what year it was. It might have been ninety eight, because um, I was still riding for Rusty, and I'm still working at the shop. And I, I think I had graduated. I think I, it was the summer that I, I think that was the summer that I was out of school, and um, that contest came up and it was big. It was pumping. It was like there was there were some things that kind of fell into place. I think Corey Lopez dropped out of the juniors and just focused on the men's, and that was like one heat that I made it through because he wasn't in. Um, a lot of us were making heats with like four points because it was like genuinely pumping, pumping, and guys were riding like seven zero boards just for the current, Damn. you know. Um, but I made the final of that, and it was Andy, Taj, CJ, and me. Um, I got fourth, and but that that contest right there was what like I think made Billabong take a look at me because um, Bob was pursuing Hurley, and um, Paul and the Day and that crew was coming in to take over Billabong and uh, Graham Stableberg hit me up as a shop guy and got a contract and just that started like my that was a big turning pro. point in your it was surf like. Career. Oh yeah, it was huge because um, and I got a, I got a pro contract. Because you you were telling me, you told me the other day that story where you're like, dude, oh. I I did the same routine. Yeah, so leading the so same leading, path. Every single heat leading up to the final, I would exit <clears throat> behind the bleachers 
and I would kind of like walk behind the bleachers, behind everybody, and I'd go underneath the pier, and I'd sit behind a pylon, so nobody would see me, and then I would paddle out like through the pier, and then I would be in the water when the heat started, and I just kept thinking Tom Kern, you know, Tom yeah. Kern, like low pro, flying under the radar, you know, I don't want anybody to see me, and uh, and then the finals came, and I was like, you know, there's 150, 200,000 people on the beach, and like, why not just walk out in front of everybody so I can get some sponsor recognition, everybody can see me, and I can just walk down to the pier. Look at this guy. You know? Yeah. And Showboating. Then, well, it was the finals. I know what you yeah. You know, yeah. it was like, with, you know, that was my thought process at the time, and then I paddled out, and then I, I, I tell everybody this to this day, anybody that I work with surfing, you know, never sit outside in Huntington. Always sit inside and paddle out to the wave. Don't be outside trying to paddle into the wave, right? Because Huntington's slopey and it's just, you're not going to get in the right position. And sure Late enough. Night, you paid attention to this? <laughs> sure enough. Where, 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 where were you three years ago, bro? <laughs> sure, sure enough, I'm like, the, I'm sitting the farthest one out and like the one set wave that like changed the whole heat because it, it was an incoming tide, dying swell. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and kind of choppy, but that one wave that came through, I was like paddling in, there was no priority at the time and yeah. I was paddling in and I was like just on top of the wave, like I was trying and I wasn't going to get in and Andy flipped it right underneath me, dropped in, you know, just rode that mushy right all the way to the inside and got an eight. And then Taj, CJ and I were like fighting for like threes and fours. And I think Taj and CJ got an interference and I still got fourth. <laughs> wow. I got wave star. Yeah. I, it was that one wave. That one wave just was all of it. That's com competition. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the change in energy that, you know, I yeah. know it now, but I didn't know it then. But, you know, I, sh I single-handedly shifted my energy by breaking routine and, you know, going out front and, you know, you know, I guess releasing all that energy that I was holding, you know, out there. Yeah. It, but whatever. It, like it all funny. works out the way it works out. Like God, For has, sure. God has a perfect plan. That was it's meant funny to be. because you look back and you go, oh, I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda, you know? And yeah. it's, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not, but it's funny to like reflect on it and go, yeah. damn. Hey, it just, I did that all it, the way through. It, it taught me an experience that I can now share with others. Yeah. That's you it. Know? I mean, that's what, yeah. Learn. Learn. See, that's the problem why late night never, you know, made in the finals because he's always like shifting his uh, game. Dude, late night, <laughs> late night was making so much money doing video parts. He was like, screw surf contests. No. Not gonna go grovel two foot France yeah. or Brazil when I can go to the Indo with Taylor, I and like the boys or West Oz. I like contests. Contested like you. I just <laughs> didn't like the two foot. Contest yeah. wave spot. And you had this random anchor on you that is like, as soon as the heat started, you would just sit. There were no waves would come. Well, yeah. no, waves would come because everybody else in the heat would get waves. <laughs> but they were groveling. You yeah. weren't going to grovel. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to catch a good one. Yeah. It's like, I'm late yeah. night. I'm above that. Yeah. I'm I wonder, I wonder like, hey, I wonder how many times D-Baw and Simmons would sit down with Lar and have conversations about like how to manufacture so, scores. Okay, put it this way. This is the difference between me and Debon and Surf Contest. He would go sit and a six foot wave would come on a three foot day and the sun would come out and become glassy and he would get a nine. I would, oh, 
It's six that's what you do. Okay, I'm gonna go sit over there, right where the guy in the heat before me got that gym, and I go out there, and it wouldn't come in. Mm-hmm. It get dark. It get dark, <laughs> windy, <laughs> and I was like foggy right in front of there's me. There's lots of signs of Lar- hey, you need to move Lar- on and go. Lar- 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 left all his good juju energy <laughs> in town the night before. Never, never during it only, comes only after out. I lost. <laughs> the, the good juju only comes out on video. Not in uh, real yeah, life. No, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I did well. All right, some contests. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I love the C5 mag- challenge. Magazine covers. Yeah. Uh, it's not good. It's not about me. Taylor Swift. <laughs> but we could talk about it if you want. Yeah. You know? A lot of good stories. So back to Mad Child. <laughs> but dude, that's part of my lineage because when I started touring, yeah. Jay was. I like, took him under my wing. Tra- take him under yeah. his wing, and it was like, looked, man. Like I look back on some of it, and yeah. I was like, like wow, you would so lost. The patience you had, yeah. and the times you'd be like, look, dude, like this yeah. is how you do things, bro, and this is how you don't do things. Yeah. And and I had to learn the hard way. I mean, I crashed Chris Van Lennep's car in Western Australia. I think the Hobgoods both. How did you had, crash his car? Pulled the e-brake when the went from concrete to dirt and. Didn't, and I had I had John Rose and Saxon in the car, crashed it, took the house we were staying at, I took out their sign, and for like three weeks, the guy kept saying like, hey, can you fix a sign? And I was like, yeah, I'll get on it. You know, and I never fucking did. And I, I do that shit with my kids. I'm like, hey, dude, can you pick up your shit? And they're like, yeah, I'll get on it. And they just don't. I'm like, yeah, pay back. Pay back, pay back, dude. No, but it was, I mean, it was cool to, you know, when you, especially when you got younger HB guys coming up and you know yeah it's tough to travel I mean, you know when it's expensive and you're trying to find out where and what to stay and you know where to you know again it's like networking but overseas and yeah you know everybody's it's a tight tight community you know everybody's there to have fun and, and nobody's you know it's different when you put on a jersey but when you go to the contest or a city and stuff everybody's kind of looking out for each other yeah. and stuff. The, the other thing about it too is like you know I didn't have like that structure growing up and so you know you turn pro you get contracts and you know you're now allowed to go travel and do contests like I was like oh yeah let's get the killer rental car let's stay at like a nice place you know like looking back on it I'm like I never had any money to do any of that (laughs) stuff you know I should have been shacking on somebody's floor backtrack to uh, before that so you were working at HSS and I was I worked at HSS all the way through my career I stayed, I, you know, when I wasn't traveling, I was working there, or I was yeah. working at Dukes, or both. So, so you got the contract from Billabong? Yeah. And turned pro for yeah. Billabong? Yeah, and I had rad sponsors. It, I had, it was Billabong, Globe, Dragon. Those were like my three, yeah. HSS. Yeah. Those were my four like main sponsors yeah. that didn't change my whole career. And then the boards was the one thing that like, I you know, kind of was all over the place with. I went from Vandermulen to uh, Surf Prescriptions to Mauricio, Mauricio Sharp Eye. So, Rode so Mazera, Seiko. Yeah. Like looking back on it now, it's like, man, that's like the one area where, like, if you're gonna spend any money you make, spend on equipment. On the right boards. Buy your boards. So when you when you signed with Billabong, is that when you turned pro? Yeah. Okay. And then you traveled the QS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can't say that I was very good at it. 
Because you came up, there wasn't really a, a bud tour anymore. No, like, I, I mean, like, technically, I'm a yeah. U.S. champion. Yeah, PSTA. What was it? Uh, PS... Yeah, PT reminds PT. me of it. And I, I completely forgot about the whole thing. But the U.S. <laughs> had, like, a three-event tour one year. Yeah. And two of the events were... Or it was, like, a four-event tour. And three of the events were here in California. And one was in Virginia. And I didn't even... Go, I didn't have the money. I didn't go to Virginia. And, but I got enough points here in California and like won the California or domestic tour. tour. Yeah. It's but after they were trying to get something dude, going and do another domestic yeah, tour. PSTA? I thought it was... Dude, you had... Yeah, there was like in my my generation like competition surfing in the US was not the priority. Was it Waring's... Yeah. Um, Scott, Scott Waring, Waring was the one yeah. that was like heading that. It was try, He was trying yeah. to get the Bud Tour together because yeah. they had some random events. It was yeah. like... You had like Morro Bay, Newport, Ocean Side, yeah. But it was, you know. But you won that tour? Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah, Yeah. I did. I mean, you forgot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, whatever. It wasn't, I mean, they were small. There's a lot of things I forget. Yeah. (laughs) But PT reminds me of it all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, I I did. Because one of the things that I won was like a trip to Tahiti. Yeah. And, you know, my mom was, you know, she was doing well, and so I gave it to her. I was like, go to Tahiti, you know. Sick. She went? She went, Sick. yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Nice. It's a good present. Yeah, I won the I won the um, ASP tour a couple times in my head, you know. <laughs> mind surfing a few of them. Is that yeah. when you looked like Kelly Slater? Yeah. We, we both had hair at that time. And, yeah. You know. He surfed a lot like you. Yeah, he did. The guy kind of robbed, kind of copied me. He did. Like, that forward <laughs> hack, like, I think he totally copied you. That guy. Who's that guy? <laughs> but um, he serves pretty good. Yeah. So you he serves pretty good. Yeah. So you did. He's like the, you did contests and you, yeah. you tried to do the magazine. Yeah. Video yeah, I photo some, guy. I did some photo shoots yeah. and you know got a couple little video parts, but I mean, I never like had my act together. Yeah. It was, it was really tough. Where did you like? I mean, you. I'm, I'm sure you've been outside of the, some of the QS you know, event destinations like Australia and, yep. you know, like Europe, or did you go to any cool, cool spots? Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Indo. Yeah. Um, that's when Ryan and Timmy were just kind of starting up their little feral program and yep. Dustin Humphreys. Yep. Um, so Indo and West Oz were like the two places that I would spend like the most time, you yeah. know, like six weeks at a time, I'd go there and stay. Um, all over South America. Norway is probably my favorite surf trip. Yeah. Norway? Norway, that was probably What brought you out to Norway? Uh, Dragon was doing, um, they put like an international team together to go do this expedition. This was like, it, it was uh, when you got married. Yeah. Remember I called you, we were talking about some stuff. Yep. You know, that was crazy. When did you get married? Was 2001? 2002. 2002 yeah <laughs> I, yeah yeah that's that's when I went to Norway but it, it was cool I got a, the cover of Surf Europe which was like yeah my second cover I ever got it was pretty neat but the actual what was your first cover Transworld nice yeah, yeah Surfer Magazine declined the photo and Transworld ran as a cover nice this is with uh, Chris Cloth Cloth uh, Indo yeah Peak? yeah no no yeah. no it was um, it's, I don't know we were on a boat trip it was somewhere around Sumbawa, uh, it was a right. Were you at Lakey Peak when he got tossed in the boat with all of his equipment? Chris Cloth? Yeah. 
I got cleaned up. I don't remember. The button engine installed in like, it was a pretty decent sized day, you know? And uh, a set came in, the engine stalled, and he couldn't get his camera back inside the, the, oh, the no. Pelican case. And yeah, ended up at the bottom of the Soft, ocean. Dude. The boat and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got two covers. Uh, Transworld, and then I think I got like a local cover too. Yeah. I don't remember. Wave action, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Nice. See, the guy produced. But I, one of the, one like the here's like the lineage of HSS. When I was riding for Billabong, you know, I would go up there and I'd sit with the M and D team with Rob McCarty, and I'd go pull board shorts off the rack, samples of stuff that were going to come up, and. I'd get Maddie Thomas in the middle of the winter and I'd go shoot like board short shots, surfing, freezing my ass off. But I would, that was one of the things that you know, I knew I could do to create value for, you know, not just a me, rider, but, but Billabong, HSS. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? I, I kind of, I really like worked that, worked that relationship and, you know, it translated really well and you know I went and did an autograph signing with Ron Gould at one of his surf shops and I went straight into like customer service role you know I'm like on the floor like helping people buy stuff and you know that whole deal and Ron was like wow like this kid gets it you know and so he he offered me a sub rep job up in LA and that was like that was the transition because Aaron my wife who had been with since 17 she was just graduating Long Beach State and I was kind of at that point where I was like, I could probably milk this till I'm 30, but then finding a job when I'm 30 is gonna be tough where I can get out of the industry. So you took 20. an old like late night play- playbook right, right yeah. there. Yeah, but I, page could, out. I could get out of the industry at, or I can get out of surfing at 24, 25, get into the industry and maybe when I'm 30, I'm starting a business. You know, that was kind of like the thought. And so I started working for Ron up in LA and that guy taught me a lot. I mean, one, you know, he taught me a lot, dude. Yeah. I mean, he was like one look. of the OG yeah. reps that, and, I mean. And Billabong was a, a mega brand. Oh, back you know? then? Yeah. They so, were, they were, they were it. The yeah. brand. They were it. They were it. Um, basically, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, it's, it's a brand where it sells itself, but you're working your ass off to help sell yeah. itself. Yeah, well, and Ron had, you know, he had LA, he had LA County up to Central Coast, he had Nevada, Vegas. you know, like there yeah. was a, there was a yeah, lot majors, of, a lot you, of driving. Boys, girls, you, women, swim, wetsuits. You went on your own pretty quickly though, right? Yeah, so I worked for Ron for about six months and Polly Boy was at Rusty and he was like moving up into like a executive role. He was like Nichols. You gotta like you gotta you gotta take this job. It's L.A. and Orange County. Like it doesn't do very well at specialty retail, but it has all the majors, and you should take it just for the relationships. Yeah. Like don't worry about the money right now. Get it for the relationships. And back then, and I, I think like, I tried to tell you not to do that. Yeah. Well, you told me you <laughs> told me no, no, no. You did. You, you told me not to do it because you knew what Rusty was doing versus yeah. Bill Bond. Yeah, Rusty. Yeah. Rusty was on its way out. Yeah, and he's six months into repping. Yeah, I had yeah. no. I, like I had no. You're gonna learn way more at yeah. Bill in my mind at yeah. that time. Yeah, I'm like, well, no, you weren't the only one that said it. You know, Ron. God bless Ron. He was like, you know, I'm gonna support whatever you do, but from my experience, like you're probably better off just holding tight, and then 
uh, Paul Nadea actually brought me into his office and was like, you know, Bro. well, no, he was, he was, <laughs> he was basically like, look, man, like I, I like you, you yeah. know, you've been a part of our brand for a while, you yeah. know, and you're, you're kind of just getting started in this and we have some things in the pipeline that I can't talk about, but like you, you should stay cause it, it will benefit you wow. if you stay. And, you know, and again, like whatever decision you make, fine. But, you know, I just, just think about it. Maybe yeah. stay. And, dude, I just, I remember walking out of his office and I'm like, I'm taking a rusty job. <laughs> you know, only, only because like Chewy, Chewy Rana told me something like a long time ago. He was like, look, man, like everybody, everybody's going to remember you right now as a surfer. But when you start working, they're going to, they're going to now know you as the worker. You know, and those relationships are key. You know, and PT brought this in too, and never burn a bridge, you know. But it was all about building those relationships. And I just looked at it on paper and was like, yeah. I, I don't care if I don't sell anything, like I'm building relationships with, you know, yeah. people. An, that account, an account base that you wouldn't have with Billabong, based on where that, no, where, but, his, where his territory was based, yeah. you know, and versus it was, Orange County. It was like, I was really like just going blind on everything, yeah. you know. But I, I don't know, and something something inside was like pushing that way and, and as soon as I got into Rusty, um, you know, I, I legitimately was there like six months. Yeah. Six months and then six months of billabong, six months of getting good boards. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But then that Hurley Orange County job was opening up. Yeah. I think Dale Rhodes was transitioning. I think he was going back to LA or he was doing something else. Um, and the Orange County job opened up and the, here, here's the thing like, I owe this to Jax as much as I owe it to HSS um, the guys at Jax I think really helped me Get with that. the Hurley job because when I first started working for Rusty and I went to service them you know they basically called a timeout and, and you know had to sit down with me and said look you know we know that you grew up at HSS you know we're jacks we run our business our way we want you to respect that we want to build your trust you know and vice versa and you know i had to really i had to really work hard to build their trust and you know i think i only had like five t-shirts in there you know but i was in there all the time i was you know building that relationship with them and then you know i, I can't confirm it but I, i'm i feel really confident that they had a huge part in me getting the Hurley job because when the position opened up, um, Marie Takeshita was the, whatever, the executive sales manager, whatever, whatever title they gave it. And then, um, um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? He was the- Alan? No, Alan Johnson was in the, was the majors. Um, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He was Brian Mangan. No, he was no Mangan was still a rep at the time. Weber was still doing product at the time. Um, the sales manager there at the time with, did a short stint. He lives down at Dana Point. He's gonna be so bummed that I'm forgetting his name right now. Cream of some guy. But he was a huge he was a huge he was a huge inspiration. But I went and met them at this undisclosed location. It was like super <clears throat> top secret, and they were sitting across the table, and, and I was sitting here, and. Uh, you know, she just asked, Marina straight up asked me, like, why should I hire you over somebody that has no repping experience over somebody that has, you know, 10 years plus repping experience? And I was like, 
do you want somebody that you can mold or do you want somebody set in their ways? Because I'm ready to work and I'm moldable. She was like, good answer. Wow. This guy. And then, and then Who I, told you to say that? I don't what kind of books have you been reading? I, like, I think I did. <laughs> um, I, I got the Another job Lyndon told you not to do it. <laughs> oh, I got, oh, Casey. Uh, guy, the guy's name is K- Fleming. 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 Oh my God. Thank you. Casey Fleming. Love you if you're listening he to was this. At, where? He was at uh, Hurley. He was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, gosh, I can't believe I was struggling with that name. Yeah. But yeah, so that that was a that was a crazy shift because yeah. I went from like baby steps, getting groomed from one of the best, to thrown into this like job with no structure, with majors, and you know I'm going to see Tilly, and she's like, you know, who are you? What are you doing? You know, the, the whole deal. I'm like just raw and happy like just trying to sell your clothes you know like, check, check, check out this colorway matches this porch <laughs> winging it yeah. selling fake it till you make it fake yeah. it till you make it dude yeah um, but daddy like what a trajectory like how like within the two year period you went from no it was like a year and it, six months it was, no, okay, it was, a, but it was, was like saying, straight up like a year yeah and and the brands that you you uh came across and worked for are big brands yeah you know that were like huge decisions yeah and you you, but think about it this it all happens for a reason right and and think about this point right like at that time you know obviously i had a great relationship with hss but i had a great relationship with jacks right and those are two the biggest specialty retail stores you know in orange county you know on a street that sells millions of dollars worth of apparel you know and so i you know from hurley's perspective and i had a great relationship with duke at surfside like i had really good relationships with the the shop so i think from their perspective they were like look he's got great relationships like let's take a chance on him you know yeah but you got really lucky with with when and where and how and why yeah you know like billabong like like you said i mean that's a that brand was so fucking huge. Yeah. And and Paul Nadi, like, t- kind of gave you a heads up, like well, there might be something else. Yeah. I mean, he took the t- he took the time to actually have a conversation, just saying like, look, man, like, yeah, you know, maybe you maybe think about staying. And and you know, even though you were gonna be your own man, you were the lead role in the Rusty thing. Yeah. It 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 was a big opportunity, but really it was almost a step back. Uh, right. Well, you know what I mean. Hundred percent, because I got no the majors disrespect. taken away from me like two weeks after I went in there. No, yeah. Well, no disrespect, right? Like for obvious reasons. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. One of the best newcoming, upcoming brands, Hurley. Hurley was on in fire. the most lucrative, yeah, territory. prestigious territory. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I look at it too, like they're willing to give you a chance, but they're you're you're also going to be, I hate to say micromanaged because it's in yeah. it, you're in ground yeah. zero. Yeah. Like if if you took you, yourself and you're in New England or Florida, you know somewhere that yeah. is mid states, de, de, you know, yeah. detached from like yeah the the nucleus right here. Yeah. Yeah. They they're like, dude, we we need to have somebody. But being here, you, it has this. It's pros and cons, yeah. you know. But really, I think really for you, had it worked out. Really as had a, a really a big team 
focusing on Orange County. Yeah. You know? And so merchandisers. And- yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I mean, there was a few years there where it was like, I think I, I think I started there in two thousand five. Yeah. Maybe the beginning of two thousand six. So like two thousand six, two thousand seven, part two thousand eight. Yeah. It was like. There was there not Man. just the Hurley job, but there was a few other big brand movements within the industry rep, rep positions, and I was at like Ruka. We're just turning the corner of like yeah. startup brand to like being, you know, yeah. making yeah. some money. And I'm like, he's probably like, do I do I make the move? He's like, like go after Nick, some of these other Nichols takes the Hurley job, and yeah. I'm in LA with this new brand, like fuck. Yeah, it was definitely like a weird time. There was, I think, there was a couple other brands that were making moves right around that same time. Yeah. And uh, well, didn't isn't that kind of when the Quicksilver Billabong reps flip flopped? No, not no. That was later. Okay, that but, was later. Yeah, that was def- that was definitely later. But I think O'Neill, maybe even Rip Curl, had like a move, a shake up back then too. And yeah. I mean, authentic surf brands, you know, yeah. like where they've been. A nucleus and, and money makers, you know. Yeah. Good. If, if you can and get it, you, as we all know, if you could get an Orange County rep job versus LA yeah. or San Diego or any other territory, you're like, I want Orange County because and you were doing Hurley when Hurley was like blowing up. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Like Alan, Alan had already moved into like majors because mm-hmm. he was the Orange County rep. Yeah. So he'd already moved into majors and Dale had slid down, I think, from L.A. to do Orange County, and then I think he might have slid back up to L.A. or... I don't remember. I don't remember, but um, it it was cool. I mean, Alan, you know, Mark Simpson, Alan Johnson, Bob Matsunaka, Ryan Mangan, Weber. Yeah, good um, team. The Spurly guys. Seth. um, (laughs) Seth McKinney. Bob? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like Like those... That was the team, yeah. you know, and they were all older and professional and buttoned up, and I was not. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, but they were like, we can see potential in you, kid. Yeah. But like, you got you got button shit up, dude. And Weber was my boss for a while, and like, single handedly, he's probably the best boss I've ever had in my life. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Better than Chucky? <laughs> Sorry, Chucky. <laughs> But it was different times, right? Like, yeah. but it was the, still it was that same mentorship. But here I am now in my, you know, mid to late twenties, and you know, like making a lot of money. Well, after two thousand eight, we weren't really making a whole lot of money because the economy was. But trying you, to rebound. you from, but, I, from, but I did. When yeah. did you start? Two thousand five. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A good run of. We had a really we had a we had a good run. Remember the sample sales at your mom's house? Yeah. Yeah, blowing up. Yeah, Aaron. Aaron was stoked because checks were coming in, and she was managing all finances and putting money away. And I never touched the money. Yeah, it's a good thing. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for saving. Thanks for saving. Wait, wait, I don't get to spend every penny. (laughs) I need another board. (laughs) No, it was more like a beer. (laughs) Um, God, but yeah, no, that 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 was. You worked for him till when? Sometime in 2009, um, they went through a rep restructure and, you know, probably wasn't fit to be the rep at the time. Um, Manny Amador was like crushing it, dude. That guy is like one of the purest humans ever. Um, 
And so he ended up taking the job and then I ended up doing like um, marketing. Um, but I got to I got to spearhead the US Open and the Hurley Pro with Ryan Sirianni, Jeb Squarios. Jeb ran it. And yeah. he, Jeb was like he's another guy, man, who I owe <laughs> Jeb's another guy who I owe a lot to because that guy so they, yeah, so you, they're like, hey, we're going to pull you out of sales, and but you're so useful in the marketing side and the yeah. energy and, yeah. and the events. Yeah, and we want you to just roll in the shop, shake hands, you know, yeah. do that whole Ambassador deal. Ambassador slash yeah. yep. merchandising. And then, um, and then uh, marketing. Yeah, and it was cool because we were, Aaron and I were having a child at the time, and I was going from 1099 to now being a Nike employee. Yeah. The money obviously got cut way back, but the benefits were really good. Yeah. At the time, was worth more than the money. Um, but I got to, you know, be part of the U.S. Open and the Hurley Pro, working under Jeb with Ryan Sirianni and a couple of the guys, and that was awesome, man. That was like 17-hour days, three months in a row, have the event, boom, and then it was like this massive, like... Um, just like relief no like adrenaline dump because you're just like you're pinned putting on this huge event and you know you're operating as a team and then it's over and you're like so i'd go i'd go back to hurley and i'd sit down at my desk and i'd be like what am i what am i doing here you know like we don't have anything going on i don't know what i'm gonna do in my life i couldn't i I was at a really really dark dark place in my life personally at that time too and so whole lot of things were happening and then I just I walked into um, I walked into Hurley one day and I just quit I just quit done yeah no other job lined up nothing just quit did you talk to Aaron about it yeah I talked to Aaron and I you know I wasn't just I wasn't in a good place I was I was pretty bummed out there you know I wasn't in a position at the time to like take full responsibility of my actions a lot of the stuff was out of my control because Hurley was changing a lot and there was just a lot of things happening and um you know, I just was ready for something new. I didn't know what it was. I was, I was just gonna, you know, typical. I'm just gonna take a couple months off and, you know, figure figure it, figure it out. Yeah, and it, it ended up working out because, um, you know, Russ, who's you know best friend and yeah partner at Inkright. You know, he was at Huntington Surf and Sport for like 16 years, from being a shop manager to you know running all the production and designing and, you know, back when the economy took a hit in 2008 and 2009 uh, he bought a tiny little like hand press and threw it in his garage and was like you know what I'm gonna give this thing a year and Darren at the time was cool with Russ printing like 24 units and putting it on the floor at HSS just to kind of you know see how it would go and at the time there wasn't a whole lot of business going on so 24 unit runs at a good price it was really good and you didn't have to commit to those higher volumes um, so I jumped in the garage with Russ. We'd always wanted to work together. You know, I jumped in the garage with him and his brother Wes and started pulling screens. And uh, one thing led to another. We, you know, we looked at what HSS did on an annual basis and um, got Aaron Pye's blessing to, you know. Take over there. Yeah. Screen printing? Well, you know, and it was it was kind of one of those things where... If you stepped up, you had the support. You had the, we had you the, had the work. You had the, we work, had the you support, yeah. So, so Russ and I, we wrote up a business plan, and then, you know, we went to a family member and presented it to the family member. Ashland! <laughs> and, um, you know, 
it, he, he said, yeah, let's give, yeah. It, let's give this a shot. I believe in you guys. And you're obviously grandfathering in an account that's not going to go away. Yeah. So this is a, a, a chance worth taking. Steady streamline of, of income if you could execute. Yeah. Perform. And it, it's funny. So June, so, so, you know, half of 2009 working in Russ's garage into early parts of 2010, our, our like screen print equipment, like our big press, our dryer, all that stuff landed at um, the place we were renting. And like right when the equipment like got set up, my first three calls were to Billabong, Quicksilver, and Hurley. <laughs> of course. Yeah, right? Yeah. That was like, that was who I knew, you know? And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't going to the production people per se. I was kind of going to... The top. Yeah, Steve Wilson over at Quick, Dwight Dunn over at, uh, at Hurley, and uh, Terry Strump over at... Uh, Bill Bong. Yeah. And, and all three of them were like, dude, do you even know what you're doing? I'm yeah. like, no, but I, it's, Ru- it's, dude, it's Russ and I. Like, yeah. We got this. Yeah. You know, are you even compliant? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is compliance, dude? It's just Russ and I. And yeah. they're, they're like, we love you, Nichols, dude, but like, you got, you know, figure oh. some stuff out and come back and talk to us. Yeah. And so, like, which is like a hard blow to take yeah. when you think yeah, it's this. Well, no, like, but here's here's the thing, right? So that's how he's been doing it all the fucking long, right? So here, here here's the thing. <laughs> Every time we got a new job to print, yeah, I called Double D. Yeah, Double D. I got this like six color job. Like, how do I print it? You know? And he's like, Nichols, I've never like physically pulled a screen. Yeah, but. You probably want to use this diameter on this type of squeegee. You want to probably use the opacity of this type of ink, and it, like, he just would like double yeah. D. I'll, I'll <laughs> run it out on you. Dwight Dunn. Dwight double D. Yeah, done. But I, I I stayed in contact with them, and I just you know I, like all three of them, and at the and then you know one thing led to another. We got another machine. We started working with a couple other accounts, yeah. um, <clears throat> and then uh, Vanderipe and Sean Clary and those guys gave us like our first for crew real super yeah cool. you yeah. again fuck that's right it was you that's right motherfucker Linden Chalky bridged the gap to crew and Supra I wouldn't give him that much credit no straight up did dude straight up he straight he straight up did wow I can't believe I'm I forgot walking. about that why how can you forget that <sighs> don't worry I wouldn't let you yeah <laughs> Chalky <laughs> um, pull it it's, through. Hey, it's so funny because yeah. um, I think the first run that we did, that there was like some dead stock inventory that was yeah. just going to some retailer. I think it was for Tilly's. No, 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 no. That we had was to, that after. That was after, yeah. and uh, you know, it was like forty five hundred units in like eight year old boxes, like just yeah. no inventory, nothing was counted. The whole deal, like here's two logos, just print it on it. Yeah, you know, give it back to us. So we we literally printed it. Yeah. And gave it back to them. No packing slip, no box labels, nothing. And Ed, Eddie, who's the warehouse manager. Yeah, so awesome. Dude, love that guy. He called Eddie me, Gloria. Yeah, he called me up and he's like, Danny, can you come down here, please? And I'm like, oh man, Russ, we blew it, dude. Like, so I drive down there and he's like, there, I, I don't even know how to count this stuff in. There's no packing slips. There's no invoice. There's no box labels, dude. Nothing. But you didn't do that for HSS. Well, for whatever reason, man. Like, the bigger the company got, like the more stupider you got. Yeah, but that always flipped into becoming like our best account. Yeah. yeah. Like for whatever reason, that like you were moldable. (laughs) You were moldable. (laughs) No, it it gets better. You're like it. It gets better, man. It it gets better because 
we we worked with crew and supra for like a year and for whatever reason like we couldn't figure out like the system and yolanda castro came yeah. in she like put the time out on everything you know and basically brought me in like had to get to know me because at the time it was the guys just hooking us up with stuff we got the tilly stuff right yeah like, that stuff was all easy and we were growing it, pre-ticketed. it was all about like yeah small just, hey man we were you know small shop and yeah. the shop that we were in at the time was um the people that owned the building were in foreclosure they like as soon as we signed the lease man they went into a bad place and the building didn't get up kept up the way it was supposed to be and so it was always like hey don't come see us we'll come see you type thing yeah and uh, so were you paying rent yeah we were paying rent okay we were paying rent <laughs> for sure yeah i mean we were doing everything we were supposed to do garment yeah. license the whole deal but the building wasn't like really presentable um but it was at that same time where we were like working out this beautiful relationship with crew and supra that bobby knutson came in mm-hmm. and at the time russ and i were wearing like so many different hats and that was like the time that was like right when i was getting sober yeah um probably a different topic but Bobby came in Russ and I were wearing so many different hats um, and the business was like growing you know I mean we'd go from like printing stuff to like breaking down screens to like doing separations to like order entry to like invoicing you know and it was just this constant thing we had and, and for the listeners Bobby Knudsen is another HP local yeah, who's experienced veteran and production. He's probably got bigger hands yeah. than Man Danny, because yeah. Danny's got man hands, gorilla grip. The best way to describe Russ and I at that time was just the ultimate swish and swirl. Yin like, yang. We just made it. We just made it work, man. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for Russ because you know he was still working at HSS during the day, and he'd come over to Ink Riot at night. Yeah. And we were working, you know, six days a week, sixteen-hour days. Like it was gnarly, family life, everything else was put on hold. But you got, you guys had your own like specialties, like you yeah. Know, I was Russ a good, I was a good unloader. Russ was a good loader. Yeah, you know, yeah. Russ. Could but you were getting the business too. You were yeah. the salesman. Yeah. yeah, Russ could get. Russ could get that. He was a the technical steps, side. And, yeah, he could and, do all the art steps and yeah. mix all the inks. And I was good at like breaking screens down. Yeah, you know, and the, the muscle, the mind, and the muscle. Dude. BK came. So BK, along. so BK, Bobby came in and was like, and Bob, just sorry to bring up more about Bobby but he is an industry veteran yeah so Bobby he's, he's had his own brand Bobby helped start a screen print shop you know he had um, had Royale with Casey, with Casey you know, Lee, yeah. um, you know Ando and Friends and then he was running production at Troy Lee and if any of you know Bobby he's a very squared up organized human being to a fault sometimes <laughs> which is where I've been good for him yeah, rubbed off and alone. Poor Bobby, he's stuck in the middle of Russ and I. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But Russ, yeah. Russ is actually the boss. You got the, he's, the he's, intense of Danny and the free, free, free will and free style. Oh man, but Russ has. Yeah, I mean both are unique and and perfect. But you know, this is the nucleus that you needed. We we did because the first thing, Bobby came in and like just checked the shop out, and Russ and I were talking about like, hey, like. Bobby would love to be a part of this, you know, but... Did you, you approach him? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it came through coach, mm. um, Jonathan Dupree. Jonathan was like, dude, you guys should pull Bobby in. You know, and Russ and I were like, well, how much is that salary going to cost, you know? And that's a good idea. He'd really help square things up. And Bob's like, uh, 
if I'm going to do this, like I want, I want equal equity. You know, we're in this together. This is a marriage. We're we're all equal. And Russ, it didn't take Russ and I more than like three minutes to say, "Damn, fuck, fuck yeah, done." Wow. And dude, I'm not kidding you. The second Bob came in, shit got organized and like real business started real business started to come in it was like art it was like the energy finally like harmonized and like the manifestations kind of exploded out and so opportunities were coming in so he earned his keep real quick well yeah he you was, know the, I mean? he, was like, the, he was kind of the missing link to really make incredible what it is today right yeah. and then at that time you guys were kind of making headway pretty quickly dude we were right yeah Without bobby 100 percent. because our pitch was look we are the perfect complement to the big print shops because all these big print shops have all your inline business we can handle your smu and we can handle your marketing samples and marketing and all this kind of just which all, is yeah which is a good niche so important for the brand well I mean, it's, it's crucial because, because when you're running big quick, production you, it's hard to interrupt that big production with just as important SMU and just as important marketing, right? Yeah. And so if you're a bigger shop and you're, you know, you're four to six weeks out and then the brands come in and say, hey, I need this turn in two weeks. This is really important. Those print shops are like, I get it. I get how important that is, but which stuff on here do you want me to stop that's yours to get this done? So like that was a really good angle for us and it worked. You know, yeah. we, were, we were basically building ourselves to be and need to market, you know. And you were just player. looking for any business, but if you fell into this perfect niche, and the based timing, on your size the and location, was right. the timing and was right because timing. we came in on the backside of the financial crisis. Yeah. Right, and we were really fortunate enough to have somebody who believed in us that was helping us, like, get our shit dialed yeah you know and when we which allows you to grow at a, at a proper rate we needed to grow and yeah. we didn't have the financial support of a bank you know we had the financial support from family and then we would pay it back yeah right and then when bobby came in you know we moved out of that old building into um you know eleven thousand square foot building and we had three machines you know and that's when like, we called hurley again and we were like look like you guys got to come down. Call Bill Hurley and Dwight. And said, like, it's time. Like, yeah. come check us out. We got three machines. We'll be perfect for your marketing needs. Yeah. Let's not even talk SMU retail. Let's just talk marketing. Like, let us just yeah, get, our get us in. The door. Yeah, get in the door. So, you know, Bill and Dwight came down, and they were both like, "Shop's clean. Good, like, good job, guys." You're you know, this, was, this was only this was only two two years being in business. So crazy. Yeah, you got compliant. They yeah. were compliant. <laughs> and uh, I think Bob, we thank Bob a lot for that. Yeah. Um, but they were like, look, we can't, you can't work with us. Like, you, you got to go through Nike. Like, we can tell Nike that we want to work with you, but yeah. you got to go get audited. Right? And we were like, all right. And, and so, is, that, is that a financial burden on you guys to go through that process? Or is it just like paper, the, pushing paperwork no, in no, time? It's, it's an expense, for sure. But the, the flip side of it is... You know, if you're, opens a lot if of doors. You know, yeah, Nike yeah. certified. Then all know. the rest of the companies. Well, it just legitimizes also, you that yeah. you're, you know, yeah. you're doing. Once you jump right. through that hoop, you don't have to jump through that hoop anymore. You have to jump through it every year. Every year. Well, now that you know how to jump through the hoop. But you get audited every year, right? And then the more brands you work with, they have their own auditing people. But so Nike sent an auditor down 
and we passed. Yeah. And that. And was, what does that entail? Like I, for us, I have no idea. Like, what is it that like? Look at your books. Look at your inventory. Look at your silk screen supply chain. Yeah, like, it's like OSHA, all that stuff. Yeah, health, health, safety, environment. Yeah. You know, social compliance. Yeah. You know, all, all of it. You know, are you, you know, running a, a, like, run a sweatshop? Twelve-year-olds working and yeah. uh, a bunch of illegals yeah. and. Do you have your handbook? Do you have all your policies and procedures? You know, do you do you have all that stuff buttoned up? So in the yeah. event this happens, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, you know, they're not going to come after us. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's a network. It's funny that it's good that we talk about that because, you know, it's an interesting hurdle that you, you know, a, a small business has to get past yeah you know, well, it it's one thing to start your own brand and do shit on the side and having fun and and yeah you can be really successful and be small and be like that but you know you want to play in the big leagues you're gonna to have to yeah you're gonna have to be a hundred percent like yeah like it legit was, it was it opened up a lot of doors so what what transpired from hurley becoming nike. nike certified and, and working with hurley is we started working with billabong you know, and then one thing kind of led to another. We spent three years in that 11,000 square foot facility, and then we moved around the corner to a 20,000 square foot facility. Holy shit! And then it just it just kept growing, and then it, then we added another building, you know, and then we added another building, you know. And How it's many like, buildings you guys got? We have three. We have three. How buildings big are they? Now. They're they're not big. I mean, they're, they're solid for production, but we've got you know 20,000 square foot, 10,000, 5,000. Damn. And each, um, each facility, each building's like is like there is there for, a ten for, by yeah, ten packing for, one, yeah, one for so screening, the one for quality chat, you know. Right. Like. So the reason why we chose to do it that way is um, we wanted to be able to contract and expand based off of the economy. Yeah. Right. And so if we had put all our eggs under one big roof, one big roof, and you know we had what happened last year. Yeah. Right. Like that. That could have like crippled us. But if you've got a couple buildings spread out, then you just pay the fine, let one go, downsize, grind it out, scale back up, grind it down, scale it back up. Um, and like, sounds I, like a businessman. Well, I'll tell you. You know, we've had some really, really, really smart people mentoring us over the last eleven years. Like some of the smartest people in the world who you know, are retired and they care deeply about us and, you know, they would come in once every six months. Are we talking about Tom <laughs> McDaniel? Talk, we're, talking about, we're talking about one of them. Yeah, dad. He's one of them. Um, and then, you know, because that two dude his, is two a shrewd ass businessman. He's smart, you know, but he, he believed in us from the beginning and he, dude, he, he did, kept the lease short. Yeah. You know, but he was such a good teacher and, you know, the things that we needed to do. And then when we made a mistake, it wasn't like... A big mistake. It was well, no, it wasn't like, how could you have made that mistake? It was like, hey, these things happen. Yeah. Here's Don't ever do it again. Yeah, here's how you avoid it. Or, you know, like, great example, like when we went into COVID last year, you know, and we were like, well, are we shutting the business down? What are we doing? You know, called dad in and he's like, all right let's do this you know we need to execute this 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 and this now go yeah. you know and we just followed that Dude. and sure enough it like it put it put us in a great position so when things started to come back online we had done a lot of things that we needed to do to be able to trim the right fat 
you know, turn yeah. the rate. Well, you know. and it was the communication. It was the communication yeah. with the financial institution. It was communication with everything, yeah. you know, and being transparent and, you know, talking It's amazing what communication can do, you know, when, when you, you plan or yeah. you, ex, you know, like to go, whether it's to your, your, your owners of the beat, your leases at the buildings or, yeah. or the banks yeah. or your supply chain or to say, hey, this, you know, People, we're going to... We're going to commit. We're going to commit, and this is how we're going to commit. And they go, okay, cool. That we got these people. T- we're going to be a little more flexible with yeah. these people instead of going yeah. cold turkey and go dark, and then letting it, them, you know, no, you know, again, relationships. It's that saying, you know, plan. Uh, what is it saying? Go, I don't know. Lynn, goes, you're getting too deep. Plan, plan, expect the best, but plan for the worst. Oh, there you go. You know, wow, that's okay. deep. And and that's what you guys did. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, you know. We're going to have to shut this down, but, you know, father, the smartest guy in the room, Tom yeah. McDaniel, <laughs> right? He's yeah. like, hey, well, he's, he's, he's invested it emotionally and financially, yeah. uh, you know, he's, too. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those things, and he wants to take care of his, his people, you know? Yeah. Well, like, well, at, the, at the end of the day, he, he really believed in Russ, Bobby, and I. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, more than anything, he knew, like, if our backs ever got put against the wall we we would succeed you know and that's yeah i mean you, you can get behind that it's it's awesome because you know i love it because you you took uh you have this amazing business opportunity right and you have three guys that are all capable of combining together and executing something, right? And then you're lucky that you had somebody like Tom who, I mean, he, he ran international business for he he, for, was, he, was, uh, he was a corporate executive. Edison, right? Yeah, he was a corporate executive for a long time and, and he was, he was, he was, really, I mean, he's really, really smart. Yeah. But he's also like, there's no, there's no lenience. It's straight business, even with you know people. Yeah, but he's, he's such a good people person. Yeah, and, you know, and like he. he but he was confident that you guys yeah. were. All you needed was guidance. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and a little bit of information yeah. and guidance. Oh, I mean, don't kid, dude. We had him spinning on his top hat a few times, dude. There was a couple times where he told us to take a knee, where he's like, <laughs> "You guys fucking kidding me?" <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Yeah, five years in business, making a one-year mistake, you know. But yeah. it was it was more about like, all right, like here's the life lesson from this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's. I mean, not just having that mentorship. Not not everybody has that in their their back pocket. But how important that is for any young business to have that support, yeah. like you know, mentorships and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. and uh, I mean, you could look at it as a you know father figure or a financial figure or you know a somebody yeah. that's gone down the same route as. An industry or a business, you know, like yeah. that's how the world works, and you know, like yeah. you, you, well, you, know, you need that, men- you need, you need that. that mentorship for you sure. Know, every, I think every successful person's got probably five mentors in their corner yeah. for different things, whether it's you know business or spiritual or religious, whatever it is. You know, they've got people that they can go to to share their experience. Late night is my mentor. Yeah. yeah. How do I stay up past ten, Lars? <laughs> That's tough these days, man. The long days, man. A lot goes on. It gets compacted in that short yeah. period of time. I just wish. I mean, I didn't look. have to sleep as much, and days were longer. I get accomplished more. 
Yeah. Hi, Evie. But, um, I mean, so so how long has Inkwright been around now? Since Seven years. Since 2010. And, uh, actually, the 21st will be 11 years. Wow. Dang. That's, Are we invited to the party? Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll do it at Sugar Shack. Yeah. <laughs> Six in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Isn't that time. lunchtime for you guys now? You know, get up early? No. Yeah, hour after the shop opens. But now now it's a kind of an oil, well, oil machine, you know, hence like... You I know. would say that for a normal business year, yeah. it would be a well-oiled machine. Yeah. But for this business year... Post-COVID? It's a fucking shit show. Yeah. I mean, like... Everybody's I, scrambling. Well, I mean, everybody... I don't know. Quick at, least, at least for us, it's like, you know, COVID was a challenging year to navigate. But this year is more challenging because the business is back online. The supply chains are disrupted. Um, the labor... There's labor challenges, right? Yeah. And so you've... And everybody's in the same boat, right? You know, like our vendors are, you know, feeling the same things we're feeling, you know, and the brands are feeling the same things because yeah, they can't get it. It's not product. isolated. It affects everyone. It, it really everybody. does, you know, and, and uh, but there's, there's strong demand out there, you know, and so our challenges have been like... I bet even more so because you're more of a quick reacting, like kind of well, smaller Well, print, printables is, is traditionally like the last part of the line that gets built. Yeah. Right. Like all your cut and sew that needs that takes money. That takes a lot of time. It's offshore. Yeah. Six months. You know what I mean? Where printables is usually like eight weeks and under. Yeah. You know, it's, a lot of times it's four weeks. You know? All right. Most I'm, times. I'm bored with this ink rate talk. Sometimes it's I want to talk about two weeks. New. The Danny Nichols now. Now. You wear a lot of hats. Yeah. You're wearing a really cool hat right now, but we're not going to talk about that yet. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about, because there's many facets, there's many Whoa. aspects of Dan, knee, man, going child, down. Nichols, right? Yeah. So let's talk Good. Danny Nichols, the coach. Yes. Oh. Not just for, you know, Huntington Beach Board Riders Club, but Courtney, there's some... Courtney uh, Conalog. Yeah. And you got the sort of the wave... Ranch, Surf Ranch, <laughs> Slater's Ranch, whatever, WSL Ranch. I think he spent more time than any of us up there. How did that happen? I don't know. Lyndon's probably got more time up there than me. I don't think no, so. No. Probably not. How many, uh, how did that happen, the coaching? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, honestly, it was just energy coming together. You know, I mean, I was at the U.S. Open in 2018, um, you know, sitting in Tanner Hendrickson's corner. You know, he was in town staying with us and the women's you know rounds were about to get underway and obviously you know we've known Courtney for a really really long time yeah you know just growing up and seeing her grow up and surfing whenever she's in town it's always like you know great energy and we just crossed paths behind uh the bleachers like just so walk, is this where you told her walk behind the bleachers? No, no, no. Under the pier, no. hide behind the pile. No, we were, we were just, <laughs> we were just talking, you know. And she was getting ready to have, you know, heat come up, and then, you know, we just said bye, and then, you know, took a couple steps, and then she turned around and was just like, "Hey, like, what are you doing? You want to sit in my corner?" And I was like, "Wow, sure. Like, yeah, let's do this," you know. And, um, you know, she, I remember like 
she, I think her heat was coming up in like an hour or an hour and a half, right? Maybe it was like two hours. I think she was going on the pier to watch for a little bit. And, you know, I just remember like thinking to myself like, what the hell do I have to offer Courtney? You know, she's like fighting for world titles. Like I've never been able to put together a heat or a contest the way she has, you know, but. She might as well ask Jay Lark. <laughs> But I, Seriously. But, but but obviously there was a reason. Right? Don't sit out the back. Something something much bigger was kind of working because yeah. you know the energy aligned at the right time. You know, and and so I just kind of looked at it like you know really I'm I'm just a soundboard. Yeah. You know I can. Bring, I think that's what most most professional athletes and stuff just need. It's well, like their confirmation. Like, yeah. And, 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 and maybe making, calming presence. Yeah. And and you know really just helping. It's emotional. Uh, clear like, the head from, you know, multiple game plans down to maybe one or two, you know, having belief in yourself, you know, following through with it, you yeah. know, don't second guess yourself in the process, wait till afterwards to debrief, you know, that way you have full commitment. But I remember when, when I sat up there with her, um, I just looked at her, I'm like, look, like you've done all the work. Like there's nothing that I'm going to be able to offer you to do what you need to do out there. Yeah. Like where we are right now, you've already done the work. Just you just need to go have fun. You just need to go enjoy it and trust it and just like enjoy it. Be, yeah. in, be in the moment. Like there's not there's, there's no more work to do, you know? And most importantly, like just be yourself. Like just be yourself. And I didn't know at the time, but that was like the thing what she needed, what she needed to hear. She just needed to hear, like, just, just be yourself, you know, because she had just come off of a gnarly injury. You know, she was still with Bill Wong, but there was, you know, she was just kind of going through just her own, like, transition, you know. She had yeah. been with sponsors for a long time, and, you know, mm -hmm. she had got a new coach. She had a different coach. She had gotten off Stamps boards for a while, was just getting back on Stamps boards. And I, I think there was, you know, some people in her corner that were like, that had some good intentions, but it was kind of throwing her off from her, just her own aura and just having somebody just say like, just be yourself, you know, was the thing. Yeah. And she went on to win the contest. So crazy. Back and, to, and then eventually back to back, right? Well, she, she, she's rad because at the time that she won that contest, she wasn't in a qualifying position. And she could have easily have just like Faded thrown in. No, she could have just thrown in the towel and took the injury wild card, you know, because mm. she had been out half the year. But she was like, no, I'm going to earn my spot back on tour. Wow, I'm not going to take an injury wild card. I'm going to do this, you know. And then she went first, uh, fifth, first, third to close out the year. And it was like... And were you with her at those other events or just she used I went, I went up there to the surf ranch, obviously yeah. not traveling on tour with her, but like the, the big, it, you know, the biggest thing that her and I have always talked about, it's like, look, it's, it's you and mother nature, right? Like, yeah, yeah you're, you might be surfing against somebody out there, but really it's you and sure. it's the ocean, you know? And so tap into that spirit. I don't know what m mother ocean has to do with the wave pool but you know <laughs> well it has a, hey it has a lot to do with it because it's all it's all energy yeah. you know and it's yeah for sure it's it's all about you being connected to source yeah whatever you choose to call that source it's just having that reliance on something greater than yourself to give you that belief and that strength that you need to be able to accomplish things because we all know that our heads get in our way 
right? And if you think about it, you know, you've got this beaming light that's coming out of your head into the ether. And if you try to dim it, right, it really like blocks you off from yeah. the light. Yeah. You know, and so the Lar. My, Let biggest, you shine. my biggest thing is like <clears throat> just just help just trying to help people remove that. Simplify. Just help people remove that. Yeah. You know, because she's way brain. she's way smarter than I'll ever be at surfing. <laughs> uh, seriously. Yeah. Like no, that, that, that human is like I think she works out more than you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> she can run faster than me. I already lost in a race or tried to race her at the ranch and I got my ass kicked. Um <laughs> But I think for her, because, you know, she, she's so polished and she's so smart that sometimes she just needs a sounding board, yeah. somebody that she can talk to and just to, you know, just say, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, or like, hey, what about, what about this, you know? Yeah. And then she, and then she can make... that year? Is that the, the year that she No, she, she rolled into the next year and won Bells. Got it. Yeah. But... That's awesome. It's been a, it's just been a really cool relationship. Her and I like click on a really you know spiritual level, and it's like it's rad. I wouldn't call it like a coach, yeah. As much as I would just call it like a like a friend, somebody that she can trust, yeah. Somebody that she can talk to, you know. And sometimes when you're an athlete of that caliber, like that's all you really need. You don't need somebody in your ear twenty four seven breaking down X's and O's and all that stuff because the reality is they're the ones on tour. Not the human freaking spitting on the X's and O's. Even yeah. if they were on tour, they're not on tour now. Yeah. You know? And so. Well, to get to her level or any, you know, professional level like that, you, you pay your dues and you kind of know what what works and what doesn't. And, and just to have it, again, like you said, like a, a team or a corner of somebody that just. Just, pe- you know. People you can trust. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Or, or you know what? Like, you know. Yeah. You just kind of help guide a little bit yeah and when you're watching replays and you're watching stuff yeah and you know somebody brings something up yeah. you know you'll you'll listen Laura you don't have to throw your back out on that turn just just one more milk it and then finish the wave you got it <laughs> just catch a wave Laura for, for somebody with such a simple mind yeah like late night he yeah. sure did win a lot of contests because you, you don't talk about I, simplifying things hey, you God. can't get more than simple than that here's a here's the thing with Courtney man and and, and and like she's been on tour for a while yeah but that kid's like just hitting her prime yeah you know and I don't well she takes care of herself she works out and you mature and then that's when you become like all of those yeah experience maturity i don't think the world's seen the best courtney yet that's awesome which is crazy if you look at her accolades and and that whole deal you know because well it's a young buck sport and everybody's like looking for a new superstar tell kelly slater that i know right but but i mean you look at all the guys have been on tour for a long period of time and you know like whether it's a fanning or you know taylor knox like these guys that their their level you know continues to rise and if they stay unhurt you know it's yeah yeah it's unstoppable man it really is like you know you can we need a good cali girl good american like yeah there's a lot there's a lot of them coming up yeah but like court's just hitting her prime so you say you're you're not really her coach but i wouldn't call it like a coach in the traditional sense i think it's more just like a really good friend sounding board yeah you know, somebody that she trusts in her corner and... And are you um, doing this for anybody else or... 
Uh, I work with an adaptive athlete. Her name's Liv Stone. She lives down in Carlsbad. She uh, she's a bilateral uh, congenital. I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it right. Um, where her arms her, didn't grow yeah, properly. Right. So her arms come down to about where the elbow is, and um, I met her at the Supergirl Pro back in 2018, and she was like just learning how to surf, and they had like an adaptive division, um, and then. I went down to uh, the U.S. Adaptive Championships like later that year to watch another friend surf, and she was down there. And we, you know, we just we said hi. I think she had just lost her heat, so she was pretty pissed. But uh, you know, I was just you know saying hi to her. And then um, you know that January of nineteen, no January of twenty, January twenty, um, she like reached out to me and we wanted to get together and talk about like coaching. Um, she had just moved from uh, Pennsylvania. Sorry if we got that wrong. Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. But she didn't grow up surfing. She grew up playing soccer, and she got invited to come out to Bethany Hamilton's like week of surfing. She'd never surfed before. Just and, got hooked. Yeah, and then she came back out to do Rob Machado's, and um, somebody from the U.S. Adaptive Surf Team was like, "Why don't you like give this a try? Like you're pretty good at it." And this is somebody who's like surfed like, you know, six times. Wow. So her parents like rolled the dice and her dad stayed home with her brothers and her mom moved out here with her just to start surfing. And uh, they wanted to like, they wanted to give it a shot. And so cool. we started like working together in, in January of last year. And I just kind of was telling them, like, look, this is a three-year process, you know? Like, this first year, like, you just got to get equipment dialed and figure out, like, you know, what what's going to be the, the best equipment to, A, help you get into the waves early, but, B, allow you to, like, learn how to progress, you know? And um, Liv and Courtney were becoming friends, and Tim Stamps um, was, like, you know, pretty, like, f fired up and behind Liv so he's you know he shaped her board and cool yeah Tim yeah Tim Tim shaped her a few boards but the kid the kid went like from us starting to work together in January and this like this girl she just turned 18 she's been surfing for now what like really like a little over a year and a half yeah. you know maybe almost two years um, and then last March she won the world adaptive championship she's like Sick. a world champ Dang. And then COVID hit like three days later. Yeah. Screwed the rest of the year up. But we were laughing because it was like, look, the, the winning that world title was like part of year three of the plan. Yeah. Year one was just getting like your equipment dialed and, you know, getting stronger with your arms to be able to paddle in waves quicker. Um, and so now that that happened so fast... And the contest scene is kind of still wishy-washy coming out of COVID and stuff. It's just been more about, like, man managing her expectations. and, and She's frothing for an event? Well, yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, she's a, a world champ. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's, it's like, hey, you still got a lot to learn. Yeah. Like, like everybody does, you know, yeah. but like, let's go back to our three year plan, you know, like we're just now getting out of getting the equipment dial stamps is like, got her like three different types of boards, you know, like she's kind of, she's got a good program there. 
but now it's just about getting strong, stronger and getting better at surfing. Yeah, more technical. Know? And so she's like, she's like going down the line, doing full cutbacks, like starting to hit the lip, like pulling those closeout floaters. Dang. Like a year ago, she was just standing up and learning how to carve. You know, and so you just kind of scratch your head and you're like, wow, like, you got like... People progress got, so much faster nowadays, right? Well, that, but she's got that X factor. Yeah. She, she's like... Motivated, she's a, headstrong. She's a special, she's a unique individual, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so that's... That's your coaching? That's, yeah, I guess. All right, let's talk about Operation Open Water, bro. Yep. Operation Open Water is a nonprofit organization that uh, myself and uh, my buddy Kyle Kelly started um, on Veterans Day in 2019. Kyle is a retired U.S. Army. Um, we met, participate in volunteering for another um, organization, and you know he was from. Uh, Northeast Texas, our family's ranch is, you know, a couple hours away. And after, you know, meeting in 2016, you know, we would get together over Thanksgiving and we just kind of built this like kindred spirit, like this, this, this brotherhood. And, um, over the years we had talked about like, you know, what, what, what can we do together? You know, like we know that surfing, uh, is such a great entry point and it really helps. And there's, there's a lot of things that you can, there's a lot of things that the ocean can teach you, um, but you know there was there was there's more, and um, you know we're basically uh, tackling the stress over stimulation and trauma that our you know first responders and active military and veterans face with um, adventure exercise and fellowship, and you know we're doing it with surfing, we're doing it with paddleboarding, you know we're doing it with. Uh, different, you know, uh, ed health educational programs. You know, we've we, uh, been really lucky to work with Brian McKenzie, Art of Breath, um, Shift Adapt. That Brian guy's Adapt. huge, huh? He has like a own breathing book and school and technique, everything. Brian McKenzie's the man. Yeah. That, that, that dude... That he was, I actually just sent him a text yesterday because I needed <laughs> some guidance on something. Oh... Um, Late night. Lars over here working on his phone. No. Boo. Um, Late barn. But he's he's been um, he's been such a, a great human to work with, and for us, we really wanted to, uh, you know, give our our first responders and veterans like yeah. just you know some real tangible tools. You know, if you're if you're still operating on the front line, you know if there's uh, breathwork methods and principles that you know we can share yeah to, to help them be able to shift gears between sympathetic and parasympathetic states you know that's that's what we're all about and um, we're also doing that with some um, carbon dioxide tolerance training you know all the stuff that you do in the pool underwater to help build confidence when you're surfing and doing stuff like that yeah but is really he, is he local sorry to interrupt but um or is he kind of yes he moves around a lot like based on where he's got work and needed yes i think he's down in southern california right now okay actually i know he's on 
the plane somewhere else. No, but, but I, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how accessible he is for, for, you know, like, or how does that work? Yeah. Well, we try to, like, we, we did an art of breath seminar last year. We kind of had to, like, dance around COVID and find oh, yeah. a window where, you know, the, the county was in orange and blah, 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 blah. Um, but we're working on, um, we're working on a phase two program right now. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's, yeah, I, that's cool. I don't really want to talk too much about no, no, the no, no. what the phase two looks like. Cause no, for sure. Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's probably so cool that you, you get, you know, what you're doing gets you involved with all these different like techniques and, and well, workouts. The ability to be able to connect and, and collaborate with um, human health performance experts. Yeah. Right. People that have people that are experts in their field that know how to take the body and the mind to another place. Right. That's that's really what it comes down to. And Brian's, you know, his track record will speak for itself. That guy's the man. So you ready to go surf uh, Mavericks and and Waimea? Negative Ghost Rider. <laughs> so come no, on, Mister Breather. So you guys. Um, but what kicked this? What what started this whole thing is we did a channel crossing from Catalina yeah. to the Huntington Beach Pier. So if people don't know that. It's, 33 miles. 33 miles. Well, because we power out from two harbors. Yeah. So what Kyle and I wanted to do is we really wanted to bridge the gap between veterans, our first responders, and the local surf community. And, you know, we really like this idea of, like, that ethos of kind of like a waterman, you know, the mind, body, and spirit, and, you know, taking surfing to another level and, you know, really being able to take this thing to lakes and rivers and other places as well. Anywhere with water. Anywhere with a large body of water, yeah. right? That's just the medium that brings us together. Yeah. Um, but the paddle, the paddle was really cool because Kyle at the time was living in Northeast Texas, and we shipped a 12-foot bark board to his family's house, and he was training on like a 500-yard wide pond. Wow. And like his experience to that point was just like surfing one to two-foot waves. You know, he'd never crossed a channel, never. Like done, never been in the water yeah. on that level, right? And so he was training in Texas, you know, and we, you know, we all kind of like supported and mentored him across that channel, and that was really successful. And so, you know, th- this year, you know, last year, the goal was now that Kyle got mentored, now he's got to mentor another veteran, you know. And so our buddy Jake, who lives in North Carolina. You know, was above knee amputee. Um, he was, you know, training. And uh, Morgan Hosery, who's a badass female waterman. Yeah. Um, she really loved what we were doing, and so she jumped on board to help coach him and mentor him. You know, and so she was sending him some training programs, and you know, what you know, getting some videos sent to her and watching his techniques. And so he came out this past Veterans Day and you know he got mentored across and you know the game plan was for him to stand up right so he had his prosthetic on and right when we got outside of two harbor um the like turbulence from like the the current chop um, wind chop like well it was just the current coming off of the island 
it, it, he couldn't stand up. It was just, it was just too hard, right? Like it was pretty, it wasn't choppy yet, yeah. but there was just too much water kind of moving. He couldn't get his balance. So he had to take his leg off and basically sit down, you know, Ooh. paddle 30, the rest of the 31 miles, like here he paddled yeah. two, right? Paddle the rest of it sitting down. Wow. We had a pretty stiff headwind from mile seven to 19 because it was Santa Ana winds that day. Oh, and wow. the channel was like 54 degrees. It was brutal. You know, we all tapped our reserves early just to get through that headwind. Um, but when you hit those oil derricks that are about 10 miles offshore, you go from like that 2,000 foot deep water to that like 500 foot deep water. And there's something psychological that happens when you kind of get into those, that different type of water. You're like, oh, I'm going to fucking make this. Yeah. You know, it's a milestone. Like you're, you're, yeah. trying, you're turning the corner. Like, so our, our goal is to do it in nine hours. You know, this the all the nine boat, hours of paddling. The boat, all the boats are kind of moving at a three and a half mile an hour pace. Yeah, and it's our goal to keep up with that. And we've got support boats that bring like the hydration and the fuel in to eat and this and that. And we've got a boat that just runs safety, uh, and then we've got a couple motherships there. But I'll tell if you, if I go next time, I just need a tow rope. Yeah. So you know, like when you when you go into the ocean, right? Like you have no control over the waves, you have no control over the wind, you have no control over the current, right? Like you have to 100% surrender to the elements. The only thing you can control is your attitude. You'll never win, right? So when you get out into open waters like that, yeah, you experience that on like a much deeper level because you're so exposed so vulnerable so vulnerable yeah. right and you have to you, you really have to surrender all that fear you know and part of surrendering that fear is the, is that new reference point that shifts the dial internally right that kick build, it up notch that builds that hope right and and it kind of like feeds your body that stuff you need to you know perform at a higher level right and so basically all, all that really did was just give jake that choice back you know because jake retired special operations was part of you know an elite group of our military yeah and you know had to medically retire and you know didn't become a victim of that you know he works he's got a beautiful family but through that whole process you know like being that like badass kind of like becomes like an old part of you you know and you just kind of get into the daily thing and so really that crossing like brought it back brought, brought it back, back. Yeah. yeah and so he's already got a team of five people that he's working with on the east coast that's coming out this year to do it you just, know so you've got this now that we're going into our third year now you've got veterans mentoring veterans and then you've got the support group of first responders and well and i can just imagine how exciting it would be because you know deep down and all of us have that kind of you know you, you have that yeah whatever you want to call it that you know adventure exercise but, and fellowship combats the stress but, of restoration but especially trauma. for those first responders or 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 veterans that have had traumatic life-changing you know alter you know alterations like to feed into that how many more could sit like where you flip the switch in yeah. on him like yeah. how many more are out there that are like that's yeah. all it that's all it's going to take is to get them out, into that situation and well, bring them out of a darkness or a rut or right. hey you know like it's it's it's, it's amazing a, that you know you could have that much impact on something yeah so and brutal the cool the cool thing about like our our programs and our events is it's like you know 
like you can cater you can cater you know parts of it to be part of that emotional homework for a veteran that's transitioning yeah. back in you know or you can be you could just be that like that tool or those extra resources to give the guys that are still serving on the front lines like that what the things that they need like the guys that are working fire and police yeah like you know teaching them about breath work and you know stuff like that like that's going to positively impact you know how they manage the hypervigilance roller coaster yeah right because you know face it like when they clock in you know their level of hypervigilance kicks up above what a normal human ever has to experience because you know normal humans don't really have to deal with the things Life. that they have to deal yeah. with yeah. right threatening things that they have to see things that have to the respond the, to the, the people that they have to deal with like yeah. it's it's a it's a it's the a quick traumatic the, 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 the well, one second you know decisions you have to make you know like we make decisions and it's like oh I screwed up at work and it's gonna affect like these are like life changing decision making which wears on you emotionally yeah, like which, take, a, which, take a law which, enforcement officer which right? brings yeah. it like, to a physical you know they have to look at this world from a different lens right for you know, sure they're looking for the people that might be breaking the law or they're just looking for the things that are like don't seem right you know they've got to respond to calls that you know not going out good outcomes they're, they're probably not going to be good but good outcomes right yeah you know and so like that that like hyper vigilance over a you know 15 to 35 year career it just slowly wears on you and, and the problem with that is they never get to like they never get to turn it off because it's 12 hours on 12 hours off 12 hours on 12 hours off maybe yeah. two days off you know yeah they do that and you know with fire you know they're generally 48 on you know 48 72 off right but over yeah. over the course of a 30 year career you know they're not generally home for 10 years you know and so like there's just a lot of things that kind of like wear on them so we're just like look we want to be that positive resource in the community like as much as you guys serve us we have a responsibility to serve you that's awesome and so it's like so, you know here's here's really fun stuff to do with your peers yeah that when you, so know, you guys do a regular that, training yeah is, is there like a schedule that yeah, have created so we events so we've got um, Vet, you know, we, memorial. We've got like surfing Saturdays. Yeah. We're in, we're kicking off this summer. It's one Saturday a month, and it's just about fellowship. You know, we're gonna do it with the HB Surf School right there on the South Side. Yeah. So if any veterans or first responders that don't know how to surf want to learn how to surf, we'll have surf instruction there. If you already awesome. know how to surf, it's just about fellowship, and and that's a cool little entry point into Operation Open Water because. You know, we have a waterman retreat that we're um, doing in May of next year, and that's more of like an intense five-day, like mental wellness, freaking yeah, like dry driving home from breath work, you know, dry land and underwater to you know adventure, um, you know, to meditation, sleep, nutrition, you know. It's really kind of like packaging up all these tools that are tangible. These guys can use day in and day out, you know, whether they're at home or they're on the job, right? And we're just kind of doing it through the, the means of water. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So um, to find out more about what you guys do, yeah. 
OperationOpenWater.com? Yeah. No, you can go to OperationOpenWater.org. You can go to our Instagram, Operation underscore Open Water, um, and check us out. We do a 9-11 Honor Challenge, which we, we honor the, the numbers of 9-11, and we do it in a, a team format or an individual format, and, you know, there's hose drags, stair climbs, you know, it's like a souped up version of a so any adrenaline junkie that wants to support you know like it's 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 like cause it's like type two fun yeah yeah you know type two fun is like you know it might not be so fun while you're doing it yeah but you're 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 learning a lot about yourself through the process but once it's over you're like man that was awesome yeah type three fun is like alex Honnold free solo where there's consequences when you you know what you know, type one is probably golf. The, yeah, it's just a, a yeah, competitiveness within people, and when when you got a team and a group of people with like-minded, you know, aspirations and achievements, like you, you know, you probably go into a lot of these events going, "Wow, we kind of maybe freaking set the bar a little high," you know? Yeah. Or I didn't train hard enough for it, 100%. or whatever. And even if you did train, you get about halfway through, you're like, "I I don't even know if I did this. I thought I trained hard enough," you know? Like there's all these. No matter where you're at in your it's your a own personal of trauma bonding because yeah whenever yeah wherever you're at in your own struggle yeah you're with a group yeah and you don't know what all those other people yeah. like you know? the, the channel cross is a perfect example yeah. right like you're paddling next to two guys and everybody's going to be feeling their own internal pain <laughs> at different levels right the demons are going to come out you're going to go through a year's Mick, worth of just cut me in, in just cut hours. me Mick. You know what I mean? But you do, you know? Um, but you have your guys to your left and your right who are, like, getting you oh, through for it. Oh, sure. And then when you get to the end, you know, that's a bond that you guys have for life. Yeah. yeah it really is. So that that superhero that, that crossing thing is a superhero thing. <laughs> and, like, the the your ultimate goal is to kind of help tra- trauma with first responders and veterans, right? Like you're, yeah, I mean, it's, we're just, we're trying to balance the stress, the overstimulation and the trauma with adventure, exercise and fellowship. Yes, Fellowship is key because, you know, these guys all work together and and do all these things, but then they can all, you know, I'll use the word heal, but they, you know, in a form it it is healing, you know, because you're, you're able, your body releases these chemicals when you deal with stress, overstimulation, trauma, but your body releases these better chemicals when you're dealing with the adventure, exercise, and, and fellowship. Yeah. yeah. And so if you can get the body to balance out yeah. like the chemistry, yeah. um, you know, you're going to have better mental clarity. You're going to have better work life, personal life, Yeah. you know, and ultimately you know, as a, you know, just take Huntington, as a citizen of Huntington Beach, like, I, I want our first responders to be able to perform at their best because in the event that something bad happens, like, those are the people that I want to protect us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, save you want, us. You want them to have a clear and open mind and... and yeah, just, just, and, and, like, I don't want them run down, not, I mean, not saying that they're run down, but like the job just over time, you know, can have effects. Emotional and physical. So civilians in a community, like we have a responsibility to take care of the people that take care of us. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's, it's crazy to think that, uh, man child, you know, over here was started off being, uh, derelict. 
for lack Sir of a, for lack of a better word, uh, it's a pretty troubled child, yeah. right? And come full circle. Come full circle and and come come up with a you're a philanthropist. Kind of. Basically, kind of, you're a philanthropist. Yeah. You're, you're, that's a, I, I'm that's fit, a tongue-twisting word. I'm, I'm glad you said it, not me. I'm fit for service. Yeah. You're my fit li- for service. My life, my life's experience yeah. has put me in a position to be of service and to give back. Yeah. And, and I am, have a very clear, strong connection with how you've been blessed. Source yeah. And what my purpose is to carry out that source's mission. That's awesome. Well, it comes down to everybody has different traits you know strengths strengths and yeah. traits and stuff and you know there's a really good book for you married folk out there called the five love languages or whatever but it, it's more than that like seven love languages it could be, could be. i thought five it was five, five. Right. i just went to that yeah. isn't that don, don ruiz whatever no but I'm just, I'm just saying like there's i think i've read it there's you know there's people that are gift givers and stuff that, you know, hey, if, if you're a billionaire, you know, like you should give, you know, and there's some billionaires that don't give and they're cooks, you know, there's people that are able to donate their time, you know, and that's just as valuable as somebody donating money. And there's, you know, there's, there's different ways to serve and to give back yeah. and you're a server, which is awesome, but you know, you're you're not just doing it for yourself you know it's not for selfish reasons although it may be you know deep down you're like hey I, this, is my, this is my worth you know i'm giving back but yeah just to be able to help somebody but also inspire other people to kind of join your team or another team or, yeah. or some other organization it, 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 you're not doing it to like hey i'm doing this for my own you know yeah. recognition you know dude it's, it's it's that's what's cool about what he's doing is I've I've spent him. a lot of time in the darkest places and now that I'm on the sunny side of the street and you know living a life of service I can help people that may go down into those dark places yeah and, and get them out that's it so there's a, there's always a flip side to every coin and this guy was on I don't know if you want to call it heads or tails. I'd say tails. <laughs> and then now he's on the head side. Or if you're in Vegas, it's red or black. Like, you know, it depends on what side of the, the coin you want to be on. But you're on the light side. On the right side. Which is the right side, which rhymes. But no. Wow. We're getting too deep over here. So I want to freaking fire it up to like... Wow. Surfing? You, yeah, surfing, dude. You have gone on some incredible trips. You still go to, I think, Cabrillo once a year or... You know, yeah, some other, ranch. you know, well, this guy's all about surf ranch all the time, which Bro, is interesting, but this guy, I want to go to the real surf ranch with Tavarua, you know, like, you know, I know you guys do some traveling, Yeah. you know, yeah, and it could, it could be to Montana, you know, snowboarding yeah. or Jacksonville. Or, yeah. We didn't really get a chance to like touch on the family, but yeah, um, you know, married two kids yeah. Aaron and I have been together since we were 17. I think she just turned 18. We just graduated high school. Groms. Yeah, Groms. Um, you know, two daughters, 12 yeah. and 9. Yeah. Um, the family, the th- you know, and this is what's crazy, right? I didn't grow up with, like, a strong family, you know? Yeah. It was very... You know, I lived in 23 different places before I graduated high school, you know? From garages to boats to, yeah. you know, people's rooms that I didn't really know to you know my grandma you're a survivalist dude yeah I was all over the place you know my mom god bless her man like she did she did the best that she could she gave me a lot of love she instilled some really like 
good things in me to, to help me get through those times. But, um, you know, my wife's family is very much into like the families together. We do stuff together. The experiences together are really important. Um, we have a family foundation that does a lot of philanthropy work as well. And so the, the core values are instilled to, you know, give back, be of service, you know, do stuff together as a family. So we have once or twice a year, we do a good family trip to create those experience. Now it's about the grandkids. Yes. Even though they're still kind of young and maybe don't appreciate it as much. Oh, they, they, they it, all it's burn still, in the yeah. It's still in there, you know? And so, yeah. you know, whether it's going to Montana in the winter or yeah. um, Costa Rica or Tabarua or, I don't know, we just follow the big man. Where, 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 <laughs> where have you scored surf, like, you know, that you're just like, that was... You know, I mean, I mean, like you go to Tabarua, you get, you know, it's yeah. rare you get skunked. So, like, cloud break scares the crap out of me. Yeah. And like, even though it looks perfect, like it's yeah. it's still really really hard when you're there and it's six foot and it's like it's gnarly. Restaurants yeah. is awesome. I got my 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 Tabarua claim to fame is I got restaurants for almost an hour by myself in the morning. It, it was like it was a proper six to eight foot swell it was a really short interval six to eight foot yeah it was a really short interval swell it wasn't really hitting the reef right at cloud break it was sketchy you'd go over one and there'd be one twice as big right behind it you know but yeah it was gnarly but swell it was, it was really swell. starting to hit because um, that's what you need it was, yeah, yeah it was really rack. starting to hit restaurants and that night i just I was talking to one of the boat guys i'm like hey dude like what's the protocol in the morning man like do i have to wait for a boat can i just paddle out He's like, you can paddle out, but he's like, I, I'd advise you to paddle out at five o'clock in the dark because like once the light gets up, you're gonna have more guys paddling out. And then, you know, an hour later, Nemo2's boats are gonna come over. Yeah. So I, I paddled out at five and it was scary as fuck. Yeah. It was, you know, pitch black, but I got out, I got out um, to like, I didn't even, I never once made it out to the Mushroom Reef takeoff spot. Because there were so many good waves going There were going so under. many good waves going, and I pro I'm not kidding you, I probably caught like 15, 20 waves by myself before the rest of the crew paddled out and before the boat came over. So at like yeah. 7, 15 in the morning, like I was like, I'm going to go and eat breakfast now. Yeah. I'll, never, I'll probably never get a session like that again, and I don't even care. I'll take it. Yeah. It was, it just, it was just happy days, dude. It was like ceiling high wasn't pumping yeah but it was non-stop just yeah. boom 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 and i'm telling you all by I, yourself yeah i couldn't make it back up to the top because there was no need like i, I you paddle out and you see a perfect wave like yeah i'll ride that for 50 yards 75 yeah. yards turn around paddle out yeah next one's 100 you know it just was like wow yeah wave pool it's dreamy and if you've ever snorkeled there, it is Nemo land underneath the yeah. freaking ocean surface. You look yeah. down and you're and it like... Was, it was like medium, it was kind of like yeah. medium tide, so it wasn't Perfect. like... Yeah. It wasn't Coral dry Heights. reef at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it was so cool. Going so fast. Have you done Chopu? I have not. Chiopu? Chiopu. Yeah. No, didn't didn't Haiti. I've yet to do South Africa. That'd be a good... Um, That'd be a good band. child wave. Yeah. I'd like to surf that. So good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm serious. I spent most of my time in Western Australia and Indo. Yeah. And then and then Central America. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, Those are all really good places. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. Going to Alaska in April. 
to fish or surf, surf. or both or everything? Surf. Surf? Yeah, I'm going with a couple firemen. Nice. Next April? Yeah. Wow. So then I'll have the two spots in the Arctic Circle. Actually, I don't know if we're going to be in the Arctic Circle on that part of Alaska, but yeah, Norway and Alaska. Wow. It's pretty neat. Did you score in Norway? Yeah. We surf the spot that has become kind of like the known spot. I mean, back then, um, Daniel Frank and Tierjay, the two snowboarders. Yeah. They had done uh, an Arctic challenge up there and found this, like, this spot, Coastline. this headland. Yeah. yeah, it was like there was a right came this way and left that came that way. Yeah. And there's footage of them dropping in on a snowboard with their wetsuit on, getting to the bottom, taking all that off, putting leash on and surfing. And Greg Martin, who was the filmer on our trip, was on that Arctic challenge. And so he worked with the Dragon International team in like put this together well, i mean for, for sorry to interrupt but the most you know you got to have a decent wave a guy could stand up on but photographers and magazine guys they just want the backdrop yeah. and, the, and the you know it's not like you're you know everybody looks the same joe current was on that trip but yeah yeah was, but, but i'm just saying really cool. like you know you think you're gonna go on these photo trips and go surf like Epic and again waves. there's been Bro, some good ways it was like 40, some, it was like 45 degree water yeah but right? like your hands were like this after 45 minutes but, but the the most immaculate like the, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't do like oh, a picture yeah. perfect backdrop Dude, the you know, drop out of spot or or the, drop out of spot the sun the sun it would like it would get light at six in the morning it would never it would never get over that 10 a.m light uh-huh. so it was just like golden hour golden and hour. then the sun would drop at like six but then it wouldn't get dark till like 10 and then yeah. it was northern lights Damn. Yeah, almost every night. It was really, really, really special. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, how, uh, we grew up in Southern California. And we Portugal, never had, we career, never had to go, Portugal. like, really thick wetsuits. Like, what, you know, wearing six, four, five I was wearing, suits. like, a five, four, three hood, oh, booties, it. gloves. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't even wear the gloves because my hands are so big <laughs> that with gloves on, I couldn't paddle. It was like boxing gloves. Like, so I... I would take them off, and I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to be in the water for more than forty minutes, thirty minutes. Wow! My hands were like just frozen cold. Yeah. Lobster claw. Yeah. Um, surfing, you know, surfing yeah. for 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 me and you, like back. I mean, it's a whole another lifetime ago, but um, we've had some good surf trips, you know, or at least yeah. destination trips. The human magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. Um, I sent you guys. Like, I said, Brett Simpson was like 14 years old. So we took Brett. <laughs> I sent this a photo to oh Simpson and Nichols, and I'm like Teddy Navarro. Teddy Navarro and um, God, Tom Carey was a little he, kid. Like Sampo was just a scrawny little grom. He's still riding for O'Neill. I think he was still in high school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it was one of his trips. And we're like, yeah, yeah. we'll co- come with us. Yeah. We'll chaperone you. <laughs> oh, that was so good. But uh, we Gosh. we we didn't get. Killer ways, no. but it was fun. It was a good trip. Yeah. What's the human bag, Jack? It was so hot and so sweaty. human. We'd throw <laughs> coins at each other. We were playing games and we had all these coins and we'd throw it at each other and it would just it would stick. Stick. <laughs> stick to you. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I think it's on video somewhere. For sure. Like you're the old school, like JLR with his camcorder. Yeah. Whatever, like, yeah. Wow. Uh, anyways, good times. But West Oz, we had good yeah. trips and Indo yeah, and. Indo. Yeah, a lot of good bonding times. New so we, were, we were in Indo when Kramas was still a secret spot. Yeah, yeah. Definitely good spots. And, and then... Um, Midnight Oil. Yeah, a lot of that. Those were good times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
We used to, I mean, we used to travel up and down the coast, Salt Creek, you know. Yeah. Me and this guy, Nichols, like, let's go get the shot. We're going, like, you know, it's wintertime, flames out. Yeah. And uh, there's no better. Two guys I, I, I most valued traveling with besides, like, Benji and Rizal, which were entertaining. And they were, Whoa, like, what, so about our, what about our Mexico but, trip? Yeah. But this guy and Whoa. Tom Rulon. I could go anywhere in the world yeah. and be like, I got my back covered. Like, nobody's <laughs> messing with... Like, I'm not small, but like, I had nickels and Rulon on my sides. I'm like, Whoa. let's go tear it up. Dude, we never even got a chance to talk about our little expedition down to Baja. With Riz, Seven Sisters, yeah. Gurr. Gurr, the weather, yeah. Whoa, that was gnarly. We got lost. Yeah, uh, Rizal was staying with us, and we did a, a Seven Sisters trip, which is a good 12 Well, we hours. were trying to find a wave... By the Seven Sisters. Secret spot. Secret spot. Yeah. And we got lost. Uh-huh. And on our way back, we had to like, it was like, it was the directions were like, hey, when you hit this town, you're going to go X amount of clicks past it. And you're going to see a cactus on the right that's going to have like an orange thing hanging off of it. You're going to get it off the road and do this. And then you're going to go X amount of clicks. You're going to see a, a rock painted green here. And you're going to I think right we were there and we just didn't even like paddle yeah. out. And yeah. We, we didn't even know. There was like waves everywhere. It, and and we ended up having to like take this dirt road back there's nothing nothing around and we just ended up setting up camp and a freaking dog rolled up at night out of a dog nowhere yeah which means there's most likely a, a human human coming yeah, we were it. like freaking out going like whoa who's who's out there you know yeah. and then later in that trip Gur was in the vehicle in front and some dude Mexican dude rolls up and he's got a gun on his shoulder and he's like trying to hitchhike I need a ride I need a ride and yeah. The guy had good energy, you know. So girl was like, "All right, get in." Yeah, we had, we were in a car caravan. We had like three or four cars, but yeah, it was it was an adventure. Yeah, <laughs> we ended up not even scoring. I think we got to the um, Alejandra's, the right. Yeah, we ended up surfing. We missed the swell. The people that were there were like, "Should have been here yesterday." Yeah, we're like, "Yeah, we took a couple wrong turns." But uh, oh man, I mean, that was all like that far deep in Mexico. He Dude. was tripping. And he was sick. He was sick driving down and riding shotgun with me. Yeah. And I had like a Tacoma and I was like racing these guys in the dirt road, you know, and hit the whoops and Rizal was just like, yeah. I'm going to kill you, Nichols. Oh, we're, I'm going to kill you. I'm sick. What are you doing? You're going to kill me. I'm oh, we kill you. We're doing everything you shouldn't do. Like oh. we're, 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 we're speeding down roads. We don't know. Trying to jump the cars. Like, you know, you break down here. You're, you're stranded. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, we we're young and fun. But, um, yeah, we had a lot of... It was like a 72-hour trip. Yeah. We weren't down there very long. We went down there, missed the swell, and basically freaking drove back. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Yeah. So good, yeah. So So good, good, yeah. So good. That was for you, Riz. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Freaking Riz. Um, I don't know. We have other questions on here, but uh, nothing, nothing of importance, I would say, you know? I think you've... You, you know, I'm just looking at like I, we've done this for so long, and I'm looking at you know, okay. Question 32. What's the best advice you've been given by anyone? This is from um, our feed that we get on Instagram. People DM us like questions, and they're asking Danny Nichols best advice that you were ever given, which is kind of hard to narrow down. I wouldn't say anything with a jersey on, you know? Let him talk. Shut up. <laughs> Best advice I've ever been given. Holy smokes. I know. 
curveball, right? Yeah, but that's a really good question. But I, I you know, to cue, I don't even know how to cue that thing up, man. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you one. This is from my buddy Rod. Don't fight the fun. Don't fight the flow. Don't sweat the small stuff. That and is, on that note, that is freaking epic. Rod, I love you, buddy. <laughs> wow. And for some of you out there, don't you know who the- Rod is, that knows where that came from, I'm sure you're laughing right now. Because I don't know if Rod made it up, but don't one, day, the fun. Yeah, one day Rod, Rod and I were together, and he was like, Nichols, Nichols, yeah. dude, don't fight the fun. Yeah. Don't fight the flow. Don't sweat the small stuff. Come on, man. Words of wisdom. Right there. Love you, Rod. We love you, Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. Man-child. Man-child. You know, you've you've done a good job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you've become, surprisingly, Surprisingly. a very responsible philanthropist. Say that three times. Philanthropist. (laughs) You know what it is? I've got great people. Here's another good piece of advice. Yeah. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Surround yourself by people way smarter than you and yeah. just get out of the way. Way more successful. Yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. That's why I have to keep like hanging out. Hanging cool. out with more people. It's an yeah. upside down triangle. <laughs> it's an upside down triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Hey, this has been a great interview. Dude, it's been deep. It's been fun. Yeah. I mean, it's been inspiring. And I, I mean, I hope more people go check out operationopenwater.org. Yeah. And whether it's just coming down and volunteer to help with setups and, yeah. and, you know, maybe you're not a super stud like Nichols and can do a 33-mile paddle or, or carry a, you know, fire hose, you know, a few miles. That's pretty intense. <laughs> no, but it's you, cool. There's a lot. There's there, there's there's yeah. jobs to be had and, and, and well, it's all about, kinds it's of about the community and about yeah. the community. It's, it's and, really about the community, man. Let's, and that's let's, what we let's serve and take care of the people that serve us. And, Here, and here's here's a cool recap. Right, oh I'm all gosh. about recap. Yeah, you are. Danny Nichols grew up in Huntington. You you didn't have much as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Verdone pretty much blew you up like as far as like whoa you shouldn't be longboarding and that was what you were good at right but it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to you right yeah and you know you're you've got natural talent you're a power surfer you worked at Huntington Surf and Sport you worked hard there um, which got you your start with Rusty then Billabong but then you know, you're a smart kid. You're street savvy. You didn't go to college, but you're street savvy, yeah. and you learned what you needed to do to to make yourself more important and more valuable to your to the brands that you worked for and wrote for, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow that parlayed. You know, you're 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 at a a demo and and hanging out with Ron Gould, and Ron Gould saw something in you that said, "Hey, man, you should work with me," right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're a go-getter and sometimes you're a go-getter that's trying too hard too fast right and and you could have gotten valuable lesson mm-hmm. at Billabong under Ron Gould but you chose six after six months you had an opportunity and you absolutely should have took it and you did I tried to talk you out of it but but it was a uh, a great opportunity, right? It was all with part of God's perfect plan. Yeah, and then 
boom, all of a sudden, another opportunity comes up with Hurley. And then, yeah. you know, we didn't talk about the dark ages of Danny. We didn't talk but, about the But it happened, yeah. right? Yeah. And you, oh, you pause, moved to pause it. right there. Dark ages. How long have you been sober? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Yeah. I mean... That's an accolade and that's an accomplishment and I mean that's essentially where you hit rock bottom and yeah, that's where you are saved. Right? That's where it all turned around. Yeah, ink right, ink right. You know your family, your friends, your your job, <clears throat> your career, your. You hey, know. my my father on said the best investment he's ever made was get me the treatment. Beautiful, dude. Yeah, I love yeah. all. Yeah, I love you. Danny. Well, I love like, yeah. The family, people's... their family really stood stood behind me. I everybody seen this potential. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they give up on me. Yeah. Yeah. Not not feeling sorry for you, which is easily mis you know construed is not feeling sorry, but your potential, yeah. and that's that's like you know what Andy Brown says. Do you know what potential means, Danny? You're not quite there yet. <laughs> wow. Verdell's got a billion of those, dude. I don't. has got I a billion. Get so, I'd get so resentful and mad at Andy because that would be like a regular occurrence. But he yeah. would bring out the best of you or yeah. the worst of you, and you're going to learn from either I one of those. Yeah, I love that guy, man. I, he was I, he was a huge part of my life. All of ours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, luckily I didn't, you know, get in too much trouble with him, but he he called us out. He's another he man did. with big hands. And sorry <laughs> to interrupt your recap, but like even being this. Star of the surf team, or whatever. He oh, jeez. He would, Whoa, he would, claiming he would, it. He would put. Is that a no claim claim? <laughs> he would full claim claim. He would put every one of us in check. <laughs> we'll, there was no. Yeah. We'll tell what. Yeah. There was no special. There was no special treatment for anybody, and he, you know he, you know again we had all you know, he was he was coach Vernon and very intimidating, but yet he would all put us in check. And there was no special treatment, yeah. although there there was sometimes, but not really. But there was sometimes. <laughs> but no, I mean, I watched small practice. Sm- We're small, talking about practice. Hey, small little snippet. I watched him pick Barry Deffen ball off the ground by his neck. <laughs> he did that to me. I think he's done it all of us. But like, he hung me over the leg. He, Barry was a senior. I was a freshman, and. I was just doing what Barry was doing, which is surfing too close to the contest or getting in people's way because we wanted to surf. And he, on his loudspeaker, and he got him in, and he in front of everybody, he picked up. That's when you made away with that. And I was like, wow! I'm glad he's the older guy that you know. Barry took it for yeah. both of us, yeah. but it was a good awakening. And yeah. Andy was brutal back in the day. But the show is not about no but late night lar. Not even. This show is about Manchild. Dude. Manchild. Yeah. Danny Pickles. <laughs> Nichols. No, but Pickled Nichols. You, you made it through the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a, a strong family that gave you huge support. Yeah. And so you've taken it and, and ran with it. And now you're giving back to not just the community, but to people we don't even know. You know what I mean? And that's that's awesome. That's that's awesome to see you bounce back from from trials and tribulations and being a successful businessman and and also, you know, a good human and a philanthropist. And we'll I said it three fucking times. I know. That's freaking meow. <laughs> <laughs> that's trickery. Right, meow? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, but you still rip. You're still rip. You're, you're 8.5 double whammy rip. Yeah. <laughs> still holding it down in the water. And yeah. it, like I said, opened up. One of the finest, both in and out of the water. I mean, we could just drop the mic right there. No, let's drop the mic on. Congratulations, co-captain. Co-captain? Captain? Uh, of the Huntington, what? Huntington Beach Board Riders? There's lots of captains. But he was the one was the front and center the waving coach. the flag. I was pulling in for Simpo. I yeah. was the assistant coach. Hey, yeah. Simpo, Simpo's the coach. kudos to you. Yeah. But on this day, Saturday, June 5th, yeah. the Wheat Cup was taken by Huntington Beach Board Riders Club. That's it. Yeah. And one of the guys... Shade. <laughs> sunscreen. sunscreen. I, hey, I didn't get sunburned that day. We were out all I did. 10 hours. and I well, You should have been, been wearing shade. Yeah, bro. I was wearing shade. shade and I, got a, well, I got a sponsored by them now. I got a bald head. Have a podcast a week earlier. <laughs> I got a bald head, and I didn't get burnt. Uh, because you're right. Shade. Sunscreen. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's legit. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for uh, hanging out with us today, Danny. Yeah. It was awesome to hear your thank story. You. And keep up the good work with Operation Open Water. Dot org. Dot org. Check them out. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram. You'll see him ripping on North Side, sometimes South Side. Danny Manchild Pickles Nichols. The man. Peace. Thank you. Yeah. WaveKey was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out wavekey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Wax! The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not doing the 90s again, are we? <laughs> I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.